0: Kyle, and i'm trevor and welcome to catching up on cinema Uh, if you're not familiar with the program catching up on cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and kyle take turns introducing each other to films and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema Uh, so it is the month of august 2020 and uh, just like last year we're going to be doing a special event here on the show uh, called anime august and essentially what that means is uh, I'm going to be taking the reins uh, in terms of the program de- programming decisions uh, this month. And uh, I'm going to be introducing Kyle to the world of uh, Japanese animation, uh, anime. Uh, last year, uh, the movies I picked, a lot of them, I, I made sure to select uh, films from different animation studios, animation houses, and a, a diverse range of animation directors like Satoshi Kon and um, Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, among others um so the idea there was to kind of like ease kyle into the waters i guess um this year though kyle had a little bit of a special request and he was like bring on the violence motherfucker like give me the hard stuff yeah (laughs) um i'm not sure if my first pick right out the gate uh lives up to that um but i'm gonna try to adhere to that as best i can as kind of a prelude to kyle's own um what is it a killer october yeah <laughs> yeah kyle's killer october which no doubt will have its fair share of gore here and there but um yeah uh the first film i picked um for anime august is a uh, vampire hunter d bloodlust from the year 2000 uh, and this was directed by yoshiaki kawajiri um, from the works of novelist uh, hideyuki kikuchi Um so I'm gonna. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about before we get into the movie proper, Kyle. But like right out the gate, what did you think of this one?
1: It was all right. Um, it was better than Princess Mononoke. Um, I'm sorry, I have uh, nothing but ill will towards that film. Uh, it was one of the hardest wow. things I've ever had to sit through. Um, so many,
0: like, it, like it's. <laughs> this is like the the destruction of of the the death stars like many voices cried out (laughs) like many an anime fan cried out in pain all all at once and then were silenced because kyle doesn't like princess Mononoke. no
1: i'm sorry (laughs) uh no it, it it started off pretty cool i think the uh like the demon and monster aesthetic uh works for anime um and this started off pretty strong, but uh, I feel like it got a little little, a uh, little slow in the middle. Uh, we spent a little too much time talking and walking during the daytime. Um, but I think it finishes pretty strong, and it's not the, it's not the worst one I've seen.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It does get a little squishy in the middle there. Um, it's a little overly ambitious in its storytelling, um, because this director, if you ask me, storytelling really isn't his strong suit. Characterization on the fly is, though. Um, You and I both know him for his work on Ninja Scroll, Mm. which, um, if you ask me, is actually a very good uh, entry point for people with a tolerance for, you know, schlocky, violent animation. Uh, It's a good entry point. It's a good, I don't know, gateway drug, I guess, for the medium. Uh, And part of the charm of Ninja Scroll is that it's very lean for the most part. It's got a brisk runtime. And really all it is is a series of boss fights. Like if you look at it as a video game or something, it's like, okay, we don't need the levels. Just get get to the next boss. And pretty much every character in the movie serves as just a gimmick um, in the form of some sort of individual physical like gift or challenge that they offer up to the main character. And then each scene is just him overcoming that one gimmick that they bring to the table. And because it's so well animated and uh, just so well, like, conceived or constructed from a, I don't know, a, not a structural standpoint, but a mechanical standpoint, uh, you shut off the parts of your brain that would be more critical, and you just go along for the ride. Um, this one, though, tries to, like, have more of a narrative and, like, flesh out its characters and try to give them more angles and, and more dimension, I guess. And it ends up just coming across as, like, can we just get to the next thing? Like Like, the entire movie is essentially just them chasing a carriage. yeah but we have all these distractions in between that where it's like can we just literally just chase the carriage it's kind of like a mad max fury road it's like when you really break it down it's just kind of a long chase yeah but that's a good thing like that's not a bad thing at all um but part of the reason i picked this one was one that kyle um, actually has seen ninja scroll and has some degree of familiarity with this director's work so i thought it might be fun for him to revisit that and I I don't know about about you, Kyle, but for me, it, it is fun noticing like directors' quirks and whatnot. I'm sure you noticed a few of them here and there. I, I it's been so long since I've seen Ninja Scroll.
1: Uh, I the two like yeah I there was I think there was one sequence with Poison Ivy. That's what I'm calling her. Um, I'm like okay, I kind of see it now. I see the I see the way the director is developing the character. I, I see how they're developing the character here. I'm like that seems kind of Ninja Scroll
0: it's not only like the characters it's also like shot choices and angles and uh, just stylistic decisions like uh-huh. using uh, using strobe lights for a slow motion effect mm-hmm. um, in in like actual live-action film that probably comes across as cheap but in in animation like if you're very if you're very selective with what you animate and what you don't that can actually look absolutely gorgeous and he has he has a gift for rendering that. And also, just the character designs, like, the character models. Um, He tends to draw people with, like... Actually, he does, like, kind of, like, both ends of the spectrum. Because, like, a lot of his characters are very lithe and have very, like, angular faces. Like, very tall noses. (laughs) Like, their noses go past their forehead and whatnot. And they tend to be very thin and uh, agile. Um, But he also has characters that are very bulky and, like, overly muscular um, so he does like both ends of it, but in general, like uh, his base model for characters has a look to it. And I mean, this guy even did a a, a short film for Batman, uh, the Batman Gotham Knight mm. um, animation compilation. I'm sure you, I'm sure you've seen it. Like I've World watched Outlast the first, something. the first part of it. I don't remember the sequencing. Um, I think he did the one that I want to say it had Killer Croc in it. I don't think um, he shows up until this part too. Okay, because um, the segment he animated is consistent with the look he's done in, in other films. Like, um, what was it? Wicked City even has a lot of similar looks and some of the the shading and whatnot, the use of shadows and whatnot, and even some of the fucking character gimmicks. Like, Ninja Scroll has a character that uses shadows, like, can can move within shadows and attack people from shadows, and it's like, they completely... Reattribute that to this one. It's like, mm-hmm. that's fine. It's an awesome gimmick. It's like a wrestling move that's like, I'm, I'm never going to get tired of that. It's like another rock bottom for real. It's like, you shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> but The the vampires in this actually
1: look like elves, which makes me think. Um, I don't know if it exists, but I would actually watch it if, uh, if a Japanese animator were actually to put together uh, a Silmarillion um, anime. Because you're dealing with elves, and then you're dealing with gargantuan um, um, god, like demigods, basically. Uh, I think it'd be really interesting. Like, the Summerillion would be kind of perfect for Japanese animation.
0: Well, also, isn't the presentation of that more, like, when we've talked about it off-air, you've made references to the Bible? Where, mm. um, when I think of that style of storytelling, um, it's not so much like a, a literal storytelling everything it's almost like mythic Mm -hmm. where where things are told in very broad strokes and whatnot and it's like oh he swept his arm and an entire mountain range sprung up or something like that it's like that's impossible to imagine in your mind Mm -hmm. nor could could that ever happen in reality um but a a story told in that fashion is probably better suited to animation than live action yeah or Um, cgi nightmare whatever it is yeah Oh, I mean, more than likely, if it was to be committed to film and, you know, the way that that franchise has been handled in recent years, um, I think they're still talking about making a series out of it. Oh, no, that, that series is definitely moving forward. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way that franchise has been, you know, put through the ringer uh, since the Hobbit business and whatnot, um, we're getting it, whether you yeah. want it or not. <laughs> oh no, um, it's, But yeah, it's actually, uh, Japanese animation in particular would be an interesting approach to it because, um, in general... And because you can't you can't label an entire medium as one thing, but in general, anime tends to favor um, like melodrama in terms of emotional content and whatnot. Things are always heightened, mm-hmm. like things are always big. Like there's no there's very little subtlety for the most part, and that also extends to like character designs, where people are large characters in anime because they're they're drawn and whatnot are excessively large to the point that's like oh no human being could ever assume that shape but because it's in the world of animation nobody questions it so you could have that you could have like real thin like seven foot tall beautiful elf people next to you know 12 foot tall like and 15 foot wide orc people and whatnot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it wouldn't look out of place it would it would seem normal uh, so yeah, that that's actually something interesting. But
1: I'm I'm gonna send you while you're talking. I'm gonna send you some concept art from um from the Silmarillion that I think you might find interesting.
0: Great, kind of it
1: cool. kind of speaks to what I'm getting at with uh, the animation.
0: Um, but but I think it's interesting that you you mentioned that the vampires in this um, have like an an elven look to them. I mean, they do generally have pointy ears, and uh, uh, more importantly though, um, is the concept of uh, bishonen. Um, which basically means like beautiful young man like literally i'm pretty sure that's the literal translation of it um, but bishonen is, is a really common trope in a in animation in particular in japan where you have a character that like d is actually kind of like a a prototypical example of it where you have a like somewhat androgynous like very beautiful young man who In traditional Western media, you'd kind of expect that character to have almost like a, I don't know, to have some negative traits associated with them. Like, generally when you see effeminate men in, like, especially older Western media, um, usually there's some sort of negative traits associated with them. Like, either they're petty or they're, I don't know, uh, conniving in some fashion. But in Japanese media... Yes, they certainly do have those traits sometimes, but more often than not, those characters, the Bishonen characters, are actually like strong in every sense of the word, not just mentally but also physically. And it doesn't add up, like like a figure of, you know, a lithe frame and whatnot shouldn't be strong, like from a physical standpoint. But more often than not, they're portrayed in a very positive light. And it's a it's an interesting phenomenon in the genre. Um, and like I said, D actually is a very good entry point for an example of what I'm talking about. Um, not that he's much of a character in this movie. He's, <laughs> he's actually not a character. Thank you for bringing it up. His hand oh, wow. is? Yeah, his hand is pretty fucking charming. It, yeah. His hand is... A, I think of Mickey Rooney when I think of his mm-hmm. hand for some reason. <laughs> I, I was going to say Don Rickles. Don yeah. Uh, I mean, those two could have been... I'm sure... How could those two not have worked together? I mean, Mickey Rooney made a thousand fucking films. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm or, sure they worked uh, together.
1: Ernest Borgnine too. <laughs> those three guys all together.
0: Oh, Ernest Borgnine as the hand. That'd be great. <laughs> 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 you'd have to put. You'd have to render the the gap in the teeth in the hand though. Yeah, you like, would you, have you'd to. You'd yeah. have to do that. I'm sorry. It'd be like. It'd be like when the animators were watching Robin Williams do the genie in the mm-hmm. recording booth. It's like. There are certain things they saw that's like, yeah, that, that's staying in. <laughs> and with Ernest Borgnine, it's like, yep, <laughs> that gap's sticking around.
1: It's funny you mentioned him. I was just thinking about him yesterday. I was like, I wish for denial. No way. <laughs> no way. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, um,
0: but the, la- the last thing I just want to say about Vampire Hunter D is that um, this is a sequel. Uh, well, not really a sequel, but it's the second film in uh, out of two. Uh, there was a Vampire Hunter D animated film in 1985 um, that was at our local Blockbuster when I was growing up. It was the thing that all the high school kids would rent and whatnot, um, and it definitely struck a chord with a lot of a lot of young people of a certain generation. Um, but even the even the author of this series of novels in which the, the animation springs from uh, has gone on record saying, yeah, that shit looked bad. Like, <laughs> like y'all could have done better. Uh, Cause the design work in that movie is fine, especially for 1985. Like it's, it's of its time, but the animation quality is kind of all over the place. Uh, more often than not, it, it could look better. Um, but yeah, the, the character of D is a, He's actually not a comic character. He's not from manga. He originated in novels and whatnot. Um, I have no real uh, familiarity with the novels or any of the subsequent manga and whatnot. Um, I just grew up watching the, the original 1985 film and then this one, Bloodlust. Um, but the the central, um, like the primary designer uh, for the character design for D is uh, Yoshitaka Amano. And I just want to name drop that uh, because he is a fantastic artist. Um, I've been admiring his art my entire life. Um, Probably most famous uh, out here for doing the uh, the concept art for pretty much all the Final Fantasies up until a certain point. Um, His final designs weren't used, as far as I understand, for most of the games. But the initial design work was done by him. Um, He uh, he's also worked with Neil Gaiman, Um, actually. A mutual friend of ours I, I gave uh, their uh, their collaboration it's a comic book I gave to a mutual friend of ours that we used to work with um, lovely lovely paintings um, but yeah he, he designed D. it's an awesome design and like I was telling Kyle before we started recording um, that's largely why I like this movie I don't actually like the movie very much I just like some of the way it looks like the design elements and the quality of the animation are really a treat um, what happens with the characters I could not care less <laughs> um but there's a couple of action beats here and there and just the the background art and and the design work the character models and whatnot it's like it's one of those things that i'm just glad that it, ex- it exists because i've seen these characters on paper not in motion just rendered in pure 2d and it's really cool uh being able to see them come, like come to life and be rendered so beautifully because this this movie really is animated well <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone can argue that. Um, But yeah, last thing I'll say before we get into the movie proper is that uh, as far as I understand, this was commissioned um, as like a uh, international production um, because anime was kind of becoming a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s. So the original release for this film actually was in English. Um, And as far as I can tell, I mean, traditionally, um, anime doesn't do lip sync like they call it lip flaps usually where people's mouths just kind of bob around and then sounds come out so it makes it easier to dub anime it makes it less distracting and whatnot but the the way both kyle and i watched this movie was in the english dub however if you look at it from a certain perspective because that was the original way it was presented you could argue that that actually is the way the film was intended to be seen.
1: Are you sure it wasn't supposed to be German? Because the letter that uh, Lestat is reading is 100% Deutsch.
0: That might be something carried over from the novels. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but no, the, the English voice track was the primary one. Okay. Um, the, Jap- the Japanese one wasn't even completed by the time it was in theaters. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, like, John DiMaggio. Um, I don't know if that's a name that means anything to you, Kyle. Uh, Is Bender he a baseball player from that would be Joe. <laughs> that would be Joe. No, John DiMaggio. Um, he's a prolific voice actor. He does. He's like the Frank Welker of this movie, and mm. and the the voice acting world post Frank Welker. He's still working, but. Um, John DiMaggio is all over the place. He's all over this movie. Like, his name is in the credits just over and over and over again. He, he voices Bender from Futurama. Ah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but he does other things. He's even done The Joker at one point. Oh, really? He, didn't know, he did not He an okay job of it, too, because he has that smoker's voice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we should probably get to the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, this is directed by uh, Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Um, Famous for doing Ninja Scroll and Mung like of uh, violence and and tits. <laughs> um, TNA and violence is kind of his thing um, he definitely scaled back the TNA for this movie more than likely because there were foreign investors involved <laughs> speaking of TNA
1: I was gonna respond I'm on a horror uh, horror thread on on reddit which is fun somebody was like how have your how have your tastes in horror changed and I'm like well I go for less gore and typically, if there's boobs in a movie, it's unsettling now. <laughs> it's not. It's not the boobs aren't fun anymore.
0: Well, you should give them your uh, your your boobs boobs no breasts to tits mm-hmm. um, scale. Yes, in terms of sophistication, there's proper terminology at work.
1: Ari Aster uses breasts. Yes, e- Eli he Roth makes
0: breast films. Eli Roth. He kind of toes a different line. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah he does people pooping in the woods films <laughs> yeah. he's a tit his, his are tit movies we didn't his, even... his, are, yeah. Yeah. his are his are his uh, are rigid fake tit
1: <laughs> like... do you remember that weird scene in Hostel where they go into the weird guy's uh, like apartment and they're those people that are like crazy high on drugs having sex in the bed like just sitting there I remember that being the boobs of Eli Roth I'm like yeah we didn't need that it was just a weird
0: scene no, I'm, with with Eli Roth, I'm just picturing like rigid. You you can see the implant making itself known. Fake tits, <laughs> like, like yeah. it's waving at you, kind of. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> uh, fresh scar, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this this is definitely a little bit toned down compared to some of his other works. And actually, I think it's to its benefit in some way. Um, Although the runtime is unforgivable, um, this is almost this is like an hour forty-five plus. I had to break it into two parts. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's unforgivable. Yeah. <laughs> you're, no, that, that's not cool. And I actually do like this movie for the most part. But that's well, upon upon rewatching it, I was like, ha uh-huh, no. <laughs> well, when it comes to like you're
1: saying with characterization and like the drama of animation, it's hard to really connect with the characters because they're. Animated and especially within within this style of animation, it's hard to really capture all the little like all the little details in the face. It's pretty repetitive when you're like they're sad, they're distraught, like you can kinda tell.
0: Well, I mean D's characterization is that he doesn't have much. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like Blade. Honestly, uh, Blade kinda has a little bit of the same issue. The only difference is Wesley Snipes is pretty fucking cool he's like, too he's charismatic. charismatic yeah he's too yeah. charismatic i mean that scene when he gets shot in that hospital and he's like what, what the are
2: fuck you are you you're fucking mine
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah when he breaks character that's like that some you, people point to that as like a bad break in character i was mm-hmm. like no that is him putting his stamp on this film <laughs> obviously
1: don't know who you are fucking with <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah no that that's there they do have some similarities in that regard the only difference is d is more angsty and blade is he can't help but be cool um so yeah i the the characterization is a problem because they keep like scratching the surface of it but but they do it in the way that you would do on a tv show where it's like we're gonna we're gonna pull the curtain back just an inch and then we'll come back to that and you're telling the viewer that yeah we're gonna come back to that but we the viewer are just like it's a movie can we just do it. <laughs> like, he looks
1: like he's listening to like The Smiths and The Cure and Tangerine Dream. Like That's just like all he listens to. Well,
0: I mean, he does have a long flowing mane of hair. You may not be able to see the uh, Apple iPods under <laughs> underneath, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> underneath his hair. Um, funny enough, the hair is actually, actually like a prop. Um, I didn't know that upon... Hmm. I had to do a little investigating but apparently uh, the hair serves the purpose of shielding him from the sun a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, because I don't know that sunscreen is readily available, uh, which would be the case in Blade. Um, But yeah, uh, our opening shot is a shot of a full moon, very appropriate given the gothic atmosphere and the vampires and whatnot. Um, And the camera pulls back to reveal some castle spires, and the camera just keeps pulling back. And this actually reminded me a lot of the opening shots of uh, The Rescuers Down Under, Uh, Kyle's shaking his head. He hasn't seen it. Uh, So The Rescuers Down Under was one of my very favorite Disney movies when I was a kid. Uh, John Candy's in there. Who? (laughs) John Candy and uh, Bob Newhart. I thought you said John Quentin. I'm like, who the fuck is John Quentin? John Candy. That's a different person. John Candy is a selling point. Yeah. He plays a fat albatross in it. (laughs) And it takes place in Australia, which is always a cool thing for a little kid. But um, Yeah. That the opening shot of that movie is is known like the movie is not well known for the most part, even though it was a Disney film. Nobody gave a shit. Uh, George Ski, George C. Scott plays the villain, by the way. No he has shit! A, is he the he big rat? A, no, no, he plays a human um, with a monitor lizard as his uh, sidekick. What's the giant
1: rat with the the pencil thin mustache? What movie? That would
0: there? be uh, the Great Mouse Detective, and that is Vincent Price. Oh, much better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, Rescuers Down Under was criminally underseen when it came out, although we had a VHS of it, so i watched the shit out of it, but the opening shot of it, I guess, is one of the very first instances of CGI uh, used in a Disney animated film. Hmm. Um, and sure enough, uh, this, uh, this shot here in Vampire Hunter Deep Bloodlust is also done utilizing some CGI in the form of some uh, tombstones, like some headstones whipping by the camera in rapid succession because we're moving real fast. <laughs> and uh we uh we enter a gothic town and i'm guessing this was when you texted me because uh, the design of this town is just gorgeous yeah uh, like the rooftops like the the paneling on the rooftops and just like all the the fences the spined fences and
1: whatnot. <laughs> yeah i was it was excited and like this is where we're at no i think i texted you when we got to like the a little bit later like we're moving we're moving forward i think we got to like the or wherever we meet Yoda. I called him Yoda. Okay. He, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, this yeah, is a so. good, like, this is this is where it should be. This is this is home.
0: Yeah, was, um, I feel like you're, both of our opinions of this movie would be way el- elevated if it just kept pace, honestly. It,
1: it, they go to fucking Utah. Like, it, it, we start off in Tim Burton's brain, and then we just end up in fucking Utah. I'm like, what? We're just walking <laughs> around in the sunshine. This is a movie about vampires, goddammit.
0: <laughs> shaking your fist angrily at the sun, like yeah. no, get the fuck out of here. Um, but yeah, we're in a gothic town, and the camera like swoops through the streets, and uh, eventually it pushes into a sewer grate. Uh, so really, a uh, creative, energetic camera work. And remember, it's animated, so this shit had to be calculated, like actual math, math calculations and whatnot. This shit's hard to do. Um, we get a savage dog growling at the foggy streets, and Uh, all these props in the area start withering and dying. Like we see along the rooftop, like there's a a tombstone motif lining all the, like the ornamentation on the roofs and whatnot and everything, everything just like withers and dies. Like all the crosses, all the crosses are being bent and withering and all the lights, like all the lanterns are Mm -hmm. uh, shattered and extinguish. And uh, then we see a carriage and uh, we get our introduction to the, the world that this, uh, the world that we're inhabiting here and it's a it's a little off it's not just ordinary gothic because these horses are cyborgs <laughs> <laughs> they have uh... jordy visors <laughs> um, they have uh, star trek the next generation jordy visors and they're they're running they're pulling a carriage and uh... we see a water fountain turn to ice as they as they run past um,
2: cool we, this
1: this also i mean the um... The ring rates. Um, they in Lord of the Rings. They're riding black horses with red eyes, and that like, literally. I'm like, they. There is an animated um, Lord of the Rings movie. I think. I think it's uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, maybe, or maybe it's The Hobbit. I'm not entirely sure, but it's animated. It was like from like 1970s, 1980s, um, Dutch or maybe something along those lines. It's awful. I
0: say, was that Ralph Bakshi?
1: It. It's possible. Um, so th- there's definitely been an attempt at illustrating Tolkien uh, stories, which I've I seen, think...
0: F- I've seen footage of that, and it's uh, it's of its time, mm-hmm. uh, because it is experimental as fuck. Um, like, we're doing shit where we're putting color filters on the screen and just having, like, live-action figures with not even... Like, some of it's rotoscoped. We drew on top of some of it but most of it's just weird color filters on top of live action footage of somebody running around with a skull mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, is that really animation? Because I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see it, actually. Uh, mm. I don't know that it's good. I don't know what the reputation is. Oh, I know it's the, got an
1: awful... Amongst the nerds, amongst the uh, Tolkien heads, it's awful.
0: I know John Hurt's in there, though, so that's a selling point. Mm. I think he plays Aragorn in it. Um, but... I would 1978, watch it. yeah. Yeah, of its time. <laughs> but uh, we see a, a very fine lass uh, sleeping in bed, um, and something, an apparition of some sort, enters through her window. And uh, again, emphasis needs to be placed on just how beautiful this film is from an animation standpoint. Um, just simple things like characters just turning their heads, like the subtle changes in perspective and like the lighting cast on this woman's hair and whatnot. Uh, specifically like the highlights because she has like really ornate curled brown hair <laughs> and it's like did it really need to be that fucking fancy it's a yes <laughs> it's like we're gonna use every dollar we have god damn it nobody it sleeps
1: it is Ralph Bakshi
0: by the way oh yeah I I, I knew but I just. <laughs> 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 thanks for looking it up though uh fact checkers man it's important like mm. did you ever watch that ESPN show uh stump the Schwab? No. You never stumped the Schwab. I remember Beat uh, the Geeks. But uh, well, What about... A, do you know who Stat Boy is? Mm-mm. <gasps> wow, you're making me feel old, Kyle. <laughs> I don't even fucking watch sports. <laughs> and somehow mm. I know this. So Stat Boy and the Schwab were like analysts. That during the panel shows, they would be behind the camera. Just diddling around on a computer, fact-checking. Oh. And Stat Boy... Had a decent on-screen personality, so they gave him his own panel show at one point. Um, and Stump the Schwab was like ben, win Ben Stein's money, but with a really heavy-set dude that was just part of the the analyst team at ESPN mm-hmm. and it was a game show where you stump him with factoids, where you just throw sports facts at him and see if he knows it off the top of his fucking head.
1: What are your thoughts on sports analysts, by the way? Because Steph and I had a good conversation about them the other day and I, I'm just curious, what's your take on uh, sports commentators and analysts? Not the ones uh, commenting while the broadcast is on. I'm talking about the broadcast is over and we're in the off-season. Those people.
0: Um... I'm making a hand gesture here that represents stretch. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to say most of those types of people uh, have diarrhea of the mouth, mm-hmm. and they figure things out as they go. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> because it... I don't th- I don't think most people actually know a whole lot. They just kind of keep talking until the thing goes away.
1: You are you are an analyst of something that you cannot predict. It's a fucking sport. I, Kyle, I just...
0: I. I... My sport is boxing. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> a fifty. <laughs> I'm like, telling you what. You know what?
1: There's a fifty-fifty shot. You're right about whatever. That's basically it.
0: Yeah, um, fighting in particular, I want to say, is less predictable than than most team sports, in in that there's just so many variables and anything can really happen. But yeah, the the, the main thing is you're you're predicting something that mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet, and it's not like meteorology where it's like we have actual fucking science that can that can make educated guesses for us and whatnot. (laughs) You get you get to talk during it or you get
1: to you like I think this is what's gonna happen before. Okay. You get to talk during and then you get to wrap up at the end for like an hour. Like you just talk about the fight. And then that's it. You don't go back to that story again. Like that's it. That's all we do. Just do that. And then occasionally we'll come back like that was awesome. Just you just get to Chris Farley show it
0: at that point. I mean many a podcaster's career is just based on that. Just like (laughs) saying a thing because there's an expectation that they will and then never speak of it again, I'm just, <laughs> because, I'm, because you were wrong. Yeah, I'm just bringing it up
1: because people like every like right now. Like I guess stand up comedian comedians are having difficulty because I was listening to um, a comedian I like talked to another comedian of a friend of his, and he's like, yeah, my career was already waning, and I was just basically doing like uh, like just opening, like just being like the uh, the host and stuff like that. He's like, I can't even do that, and he's like, I have no other skills. And I can't even just make money doing that. And he's like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I wish they would do that with the commentators. Because <laughs> they don't have a job right now. And it's like, well, what do we talk about? Like, well, fucking nothing. There's, there's nothing going. They're doing nothing right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. sorry. It's been on my mind. I needed to get a second
0: opinion. Uh, clearly, clearly it needed to come out somewhere. It may <sighs> as well
1: be in a public forum. <laughs> sorry, I should have waited till the boring part of the movie to get to that. Yeah. Um,
0: anyway, so this girl with the... With the super awesome curls, um, she is abducted. Long story short, mm. um, by something that we do not see, and then we get Ooh, I like t- that we get, word get abducted. Can
1: we say taken? I like taken a little bit better. She's taken. Abdu- abducted is a
0: little too clinical. Like it's just a little too police report. Okay, she's taken. There we go. Thank you. Someone someone absconds with her through <laughs> <laughs> the better. There we go. Ah yes. Um. So we get credits following that we get like a crawl essentially mm-hmm. in the form of some slides did you write I'll this just, down I did so i'll okay. just read it um so it reads uh, the distant future vampires rule the night but their numbers are dwindling with huge bounties on their heads a class of hunters has emerged bounty hunters a gothic space station satellite beautiful is what my next note reads and that's because um it's basically reinforcing the fact that what we're seeing looks like, you know, a gothic European setting, but in actuality this is the distant future. And we're doing like a Warhammer 40K thing here where we're bringing the church back <laughs> where it's like we're going to make fucking satellites and spaceships with gar- with gothic architecture principles. <laughs> um, I did I did have a
1: wait, what the fuck moment at the end of the movie. They're like this is a ship. I'm like "Are fucking spaceship?"
0: in that castle <laughs> see I think that's really
1: charming though. I think it's, it actually
0: is a really strong asset that they probably should have exploited
1: more I mean this is the second movie I've seen where we get a surprise spaceship at the end and I'm like okay I'm fine <laughs> with both of them yeah
0: um, but the the title con- it carries on here and it says uh, one hunter is unlike all the others he is a dunpeel and I'm not sure how I feel about that word I've always heard it dampier or Dampier or dampire Dompier is how I'm usually hearing it pronounced. Um, this may be a mistranslation, um, but yeah. Well, basically, Dompier is like half breed. It's mm. not quite not quite a blade.
1: <laughs> <It's> blood. <laughs> uh, also, not
0: quite a day walk or something in between.
1: I rewatched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night. Steph
0: went to bed early, and I'm gonna be saying bounty killer. Bounty killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so he is a Dunpeel, a half human, half vampire. At war with himself, feared by all, tortured and alone, he is Vampire Hunter D, the most emo of vampires. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I noticed here that when we get the on-screen title, um, this is a definite nod to Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, in the form of this title slide. That um, it's like an iron plate, and it's completely motionless. It's very much similar to the stone tablet. Uh, that displays the title Bram Stoker's Dracula in that I film. i to go back. Um, even the font kind of reminded me of that. Um, anyway, uh, we cut to a totally different scene now in the daytime, which uh, Kyle probably had some issues with. Cause mm-hmm. it very God damn it, right. it's a vampire movie. <laughs> so. I'm like,
1: okay, I guess we'll start in the daytime. We'll, we'll get to the night.
0: <laughs> when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Jack... So, <laughs> he says go get you watch you paint (laughs) Um, so snipers are in the desert and everybody's nervous and sweaty and this is a hot ass desert Um, uh, all all the lighting is blown out here everything looks lovely and uh, we get our introduction to D at a distance um, through a sniper scope so somebody's observing him uh, casually ride up to this it looks like a bombed out church of some sort and uh He dismounts, he steps into the church, and we're introduced to a couple of figures here. One is a man who is praying in the back, and he's in in a wheelchair. Um, Then he has someone else with him, who we will learn is his son, who's wearing a sling on for his arms so cool dad scared.
1: save yourself uh i was thinking uh Christopher Chip, Watkinson. chip Joe. <laughs> <laughs> i
0: was just thinking of him this whole time uh, that guy was totally doing an imitation of him mm-hmm. but it works so it worked perfectly yeah yeah <laughs> chip, chip. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, these two folks—the uh, the of the, uh, the younger of the two, the one the arm sling—he uh, he approaches uh, D. Um, and needs to be said, I may as well just describe what D looks like for the folks who don't know. Uh, D, you want to help me out here, Kyle? <laughs> D, um, you can see, I think,
1: thirty percent of his face. Um, he looks like uh, an albino elf. Um, he's very tall, very slender has very dark hair and very pale white. And just man, it's hard. He's hard to describe. Yeah, he's he's basically just um, a big walking shadow with a sliver yeah. of a face.
0: Yeah, he's he's very slight of frame, but very tall. Um, he, his skin is kind of like ashen toned, so it's mm. like kind of grayish. Um, he usually doesn't display many emotions from his face, um, except at the very end when he, I'm guessing, is like tapping into his like vampire vampire side a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the main thing about his his design is his wardrobe, and this t- this is actually a thing in a lot of. Uh, anime uh, character designs it's not so much about their physicality or their face it's more about what they're wearing (laughs) Um, i've been especially critical of this phenomenon in recent years because the cosplay industry has become an international thing and i think that the character creators and whatnot like the authors making these characters are doing it with the understanding that oh it would be way better if I designed the character in such a way that people could easily imitate it in mm. real life. <laughs> it would be much more profitable for us all. I'm glad you're not into cosplay
1: cause that can get very expensive.
0: Yes. I, I do not doubt that. I mean, I, it's, it's a hobby that I do appreciate when it's done well, but when it's not done well, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not good for anyone. <laughs> um, but I, I do actually appreciate when I see it done well. And, uh, D is not a character I've seen at like conventions ever. I don't think. I'm kind of surprised.
1: It, it's too easy. You want you want a challenge. That's what makes that's what makes those interesting. Is when you see one that's like, oh wow, that was took a lot of time and effort. This is like, you kind of just have to be tall and skinny and wear a bunch of black clothes. I think you got it. the The trick yeah. would be getting the hand. His little his little uh, parasite.
0: Oh yeah! Imagine if you had like a. Not even, like, a super functional one, but just, like, a decently functional animatronic with, like, a rubber appliance on top of it or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the main design elements for D are, like Kyle had said, just all black wardrobe for the most part. He has a, a large blue jeweled necklace and a giant fucking hat. Yeah, he <laughs> looks like
1: he's, like, on, coming over on the Mayflower, basically. That's the, Actually, the- very much so his hat that reminded me of that um and it would be very difficult to do the rest of these characters like the jarmish dude you might be able to pull off if you were laying in a bed um the one guy looks like bane uh one guy looks like gambit slash wolverine and then the beast dude looks like beast slash wolverine and then the one lady (laughs) is just more or less poison ivy just some kind of reiteration of poison ivy
0: yeah, D is D, and maybe Meyer Link are like the two mm. really strong character designs. Everyone else is kind of like I've seen this elsewhere.
1: But I mean, I feel like you would. I I have no familiarity with, uh, uh, what's that? Final Fantasy. I've seen yeah. enough like, uh, like the new Final Fantasies coming out. I've seen a lot of those because there's a lot of those. And I feel like if you were to try to do Meyer, you someone might think you might be from that. I don't know. It feels like. Myers' characters, my Myer, Myers' character
0: look would kind of come from there. Am I wrong? Uh, his character say. isn't super distinct. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you're you're right. Most people would have some trouble. Like they'd squint at you and be like, "I'm not quite I'm not sure what I'm sure. looking at." I know you're from a thing because that's a little out of the ordinary.
1: If you have the teeth. <laughs> if you have the teeth, maybe that would narrow it down.
0: Teeth and the eye color, and if you could f- somehow make make your cape into a blade. Um, that might get you flagged at the convention. But <laughs> how popular is
1: this character in the anime world? Like,
0: I don't think he's very popular anymore. Okay. Um, in the late '80s, that was probably the height of his popularity. Um, I want to say, like the the year 2000 was a good time for this to come out because it was like just vampires. prior to the Twilight business and whatnot. So it was great timing. Um, well, this is year
1: after Blade too. Like vampires were about to Blade. be huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, in general, though, I I want to say he's not super popular anymore. Um, however, I guess the novels are still being written, so he's he's a he's a niche character for sure. Gotcha. Um, which would explain why I've never seen him at a convention.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's probably the
0: equivalent of Spawn. I uh, maybe a half notch below. Okay. Um, Spawn Spawn is more of a following. People know about Spawn, even if they don't. Put it gotcha. that way. Like, it's like, you've heard of Spawn. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like, you've been to a toy store. <laughs> like, but anyway, uh, so D is here having this meeting with these people. And uh, he is told about the character that Kyle and I were just talking about. Uh, Meyer Link, who is a vampire, who took the, the mm-hmm. guy's sister. He He took the sister. I need you um, so to find my sister. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's this watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically
1: um, he's like i need you to bring her back before he turns her because he's gonna fucking turn her and the dad's like i need you to bring her back but if he turns her i need you to kill her and this is a point of contention between the two because his brother's like no dad you can't just kill her because she gets turned into a vampire and then a little bit of a this is a power struggle
0: here yeah i i was glad that this didn't turn into more i was yeah Part of me was expecting the brother to show up later. Like I maybe, he... maybe maybe there was some brother sister business going on. I thought some, he was... naughty, some naughty business going I on. I thought
1: he was ghost jarmish when he came in. Was he like not smiling when he comes in? He was. He okay. was
0: I don't know why. I mean, it's just you... very, <laughs> it's very funny. His eyes are kinda like fluttering as he comes in. I, I think in uh, religious terms that's a expression of ecstasy, uh, oh. is what you would call it. Yeah. Um, an ecstatic face, dude. If I could um, kill people with my force ghost, that would be awesome, dude. Laser storm. <laughs> In Gradius terms, that motherfucker had all the options, and he was slinging plasma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If my force, dude. If if fucking like Obi Wan could do that shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> those movies would have been over, man. <laughs> So you never Ben, you never told me you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> <And> just,
2: <"Hadogan." laughs>
0: oh, that would be a totally awesome alternate ending. It's like he's he's like thrown down with Vader and he has he has his hand off and he's like, No, I'll never join you and then Obi-Wan bamps in and is like, No! <laughs> like, he has to die! Yeah. <laughs> Hadouken. Uh, anyway, D takes the job. And he asked for, like, double the money, too. So he's a shrewd businessman. Mm-hmm. And uh, 20 million. That's a lot of thats a lot of chatter. 20 million something or others, because this is the far-flung future. <laughs> yeah, they're, it could they're be, They're dealing like, in coinage, yeah. like gold coins or something. Mm. Um, but we cut away uh, via bats fluttering. And I think this actually is meaningful. Um, because I noticed Carmela later in the film mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. manifests in the form of a swarm of bats. So maybe... The, uh, the apparition in the beginning of the film that you know came in through the window and whatnot, maybe she was there. We're breaking ghost rules, Trevor. I hope you're wrong. I, I might be. Okay. I, in fact, I probably am because I think there's mention of her being stuck in the palace. I think it might be a red herring a little bit.
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah, because there once we get to the end, I was kind of confused at, w- at what was going on. I'm like something's off here, and then I, when I once I realized what was happening, I'm like, oh okay, she's the bats. But it when um, D kind of disperses into bats, basically, you're like, wait, I didn't know D could do that. And then you get a call back to the beginning where there is the bats. You're like, was it D? I'm like, oh no 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 no, it's something
0: different. Yeah, so we'll we'll come back to that. We'll come back um, to that. We uh we cut to motherfucking Dead Dead Reckoning. Um, I believe that was the name of the tank in Land of the Dead. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's it's basically a big vampire hunting tank. It's the A team, um, yeah. Yeah, the A team, as Kyle named them in his notes. Uh, this would be the Marcus brothers, who Dee was told um, have also taken the job to look for the sister, uh, who's named Charlotte, by the way. Um, so they're on the case, and this is their vehicle. And uh, we stop for a second to interrogate a drunk. Um, and we casually pick him up uh, and call him a liar, and it's revealed via some puncture wounds in his neck that he is a vampire. And he gets chucked down a well, and uh, holy shit, the whole town is made of zombie vampires. Yeah. <laughs> this, I wasn't this, sure
1: what they were at first.
0: As I'm like, uh, there's fangs, they've got red
1: eyes, and they're green. I'm like, okay, are they zombie werewolf vampires? I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what, what they are right now. I haven't written down zombies.
0: Uh, I initially did too, but I want to say these are kind of like the Eric Stoltz looking guy in Blade, where it's like um, the guy in the basement, where it's like, you know, sometimes you get bit and it doesn't oh, go right. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's like that. That was one, I think, I mean, overall, that
1: movie's not scary. It's a lot of fun. That scene is fucking creepy.
0: As a, as a very young person when I first saw that, yeah, I didn't like that scene. That, that bothered me. That was very. Especially incredible. when he's yelling at her. Like Karen, Karen, when he realizes
1: when he realizes who she is, that's when it's really fucking creepy. But yeah,
0: yeah, no, I did not like that scene. I (laughs) I, I would, I'd like find an excuse to go pee or something. Oh, okay, watch watch. this. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't stop it. (laughs) Oh, It's nightmare fuel for sure. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we take off uh, in in our vampire hunting tank, and uh, it has floodlights all over it, which are conveniently cross shaped. Um, I like that, and uh these vampires are fucking strong even if they're like lesser vampires because they're like hopping onto the tank and tearing the fucking steel shutters off of it and uh, we shoot all manner of weapons out at them and we still haven't seen who it is who's doing the shooting Um, but we see that like there's knives and like bullets and arrows coming out of there so they have all manner of projectiles anyway the vampires actually like pull down a giant cross um, and they throw it in the middle of the road uh, so the they set a fucking trap like they made a trap, and uh, we open the door to the vehicle, and it's zombie time, is what <laughs> is what a uh, uh, Borg off, I think the 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 Gambit. older brother, basically, yeah, Gambit, <laughs> Gambit with arrows, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he opens the door, and we all get out ready to fight, and uh, yeah, uh, we have our Marcus brothers uh, in the form of my names for them were Arrow Guy, um, which would be Gambit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I noted that his uh, his character model, specifically his face and a little bit of his build, um, actually looks a lot like uh, Gemma, uh, the villain from Ninja Scroll. Um, oh, uh, this character.
1: Who's the uh, dude from Street Fighter? Uh, big, big, big dude, big jacked guy.
0: <sighs> That's like all of them,
1: like tall, big. <sighs> he's European. I think he's supposed to be Russian. Zangief. Zang Zangief. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're Zangief. I think he had kind of a zangief kind of uh, feel to him
0: he's got the mutton chops so he's got yeah. like facial hair and whatnot. he's also um, jacked like yeah
1: you know, like arnold yeah. in the 80s yeah i would i
0: would agree with you if not for the fact that there's there's this guy the gambit guy and then there is a big guy in the group who's bane much much big yeah bane, <laughs> bane. <laughs> so we have bane who has a, a giant steak mallet Mm-hmm. Um, like steak is in wooden steak that you hammer in, not, not, a, not a hunk of meat. <laughs> he seemed like a gentle giant. Yeah, actually, the way his character is voiced makes that seem to be the case. Um, he has a cross painted onto his face, and he has uh, striking like emerald eyes. Um, but yeah, he's pretty calm, and he has some sort of tubing coming out of the back of his head. So yeah, Bane. <laughs> he looks a lot like Bane, yeah. Yeah, also the, the steak mallet thing reminded me a little bit of uh, uh, Battle Angel. Um, I haven't seen the live-action one, the Alita, uh, Battle Angel. I've heard it's not terrible. I've heard it is terrible. <laughs> I've heard it, I've heard we it should watch it, it Kyle. <laughs> I mean, Cyberpunk is in vogue right now. It's it's worth checking out. But uh, anyway, the Christoph Waltz character in that movie, if they're if they stay true to the source material, that character in the manga and in the anime has a steak mallet. <laughs> anyway, in addition to that, we also has have a cross knives guy he's, he's a ginger and he's uh, kyle. got knives he's very easy to remember kyle yeah his name is kyle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to avoid confusion I'm, I'm gonna avoid calling him kyle okay um but yeah he's got red hair and he's got knives shaped like crosses and uh in addition to that we also have layla uh, who has a very odd design mm-hmm. she, she looks like a dude like, yeah her hair is intentionally like scruffy and not not like feminine looking Uh, Mm -hmm. because she's supposed to be one of the boys and she's she doesn't take no guff Uh, she has what look like like hornet stripes on her shoulders Mm -hmm. um, and her wardrobe is mostly red leather and she has a gigantic fucking hand cannon (laughs) as -hmm. her weapon of choice um anyway uh we basically just get an exhibition of what all the marcus brothers are capable of here like beating up the putty patrol basically yeah yeah um so gambit uh he unleashes he he fights in the shade, essentially, or at least forces these vampires to. He blankets the sun with arrows, so he can shoot arrows extraordinarily fast. Um, and he even does a trick shot here, where it's pretty fucking cool. It concludes the battle, where uh, he shoots a single arrow at a, a fleeing vampire, and he he does the uh, the wanted trick of curving the bullet, but with an arrow. Mm-hmm. And the way it's done is really cool, because the arrow is lovingly animated, but flies behind this tree, and we just hear a very distant, like... <laughs> it's like, yep, that hit. <laughs> but um, yeah, all the others slice and dice and whatnot. It's pretty fucking cool. And then uh, we get an introduction for D, right? a proper introduction for D, because his entrance into the film was pretty blah. Um, but this would be like a proper introduction, a, a Godzilla intro. Uh, so Gambit fires an arrow at him without seeing him. So he uses his hearing to pinpoint his target. He launches this arrow. D catches it before it hits his face because he is the ultimate badass. And then when he catches it, he like rears back on the horse. And so we get the pose of, you know, the horse with two feet off the ground and his cape flares up in front of the fucking full moon. <laughs> it's just like it's a little much, but it's also pretty fucking badass. Um anyway, uh Layla takes off after D while while the other brothers like I guess like try to move that cross and get back on the road and whatnot so she has this really cool uni- like unicycle vehicle it's a motorized one she basically pulls a wheel off of the tank and it, it serves as it's like the uh, it's like the Dark Knight yeah. it's like the, the Batpod where it's actually embedded in the, the tumbler tank but she just like pulls it out and the tank can continue to function on its own I didn't catch that again design like the, the design elements in this film are extraordinary even if the storytelling isn't <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, she pursues D, I guess. And uh, D is on a freeway, and he's on a mechanical horse. I love the design of these horses. They're like biomechanical horses. Um, they all have red glowing eyes. And uh, we hear a disembodied voice talking to him uh, in the daytime. And uh, we get introduced to his sidekick, Kyle. And you want to tell the folks at home who who his companion
1: is? Yeah, he's got a little face. He's, uh, he's like Guado. Uh, he's got like a Guado on his face. On his hand, basically. Quaid.
2: Quaid. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's just this thing, and like D doesn't really talk. This thing is talking to him constantly. Um, every time we see D, it's just this hand talking. And yeah. It looks. Uh, it looks like a gargoyle, like a a door knocker, basically.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. It. It's just a, a like a elderly face embedded in his hand. It has pitted eyes. That there's no eyes. It's just dark. Like dark holes, and uh, it has like a a smile that's missing some teeth, and it just lives in his hand, in his left hand. And uh, as far as I understand, um, this thing has never been given an origin. Uh, it's been hinted that it, it's a part of the same collective uh, that um, the, the X Men and uh, and Yoda uh, that will later meet in this film are mm-hmm. from. But apparently, this character has never been given a proper origin, so he's just there, um, and his powers are—he's his powers are all over the place. He just can do things. Um, but yeah, uh, we're in the daytime, shockingly enough, with our half vampire, half human central character, uh, and we're in a desert landscape with like crashed gothic spacecraft all over the place. It's like Tatooine, but with gothic architecture and whatnot. It's beautiful, and uh, to make things even more beautiful, we have like a borderline Miyazaki-esque moment where uh, a bunch of sand manta rays fly out of the ground and uh, this is just pure whimsy. This doesn't need to be here at all this was just somebody flexing their animation budget. Um, because yeah D, like jumps off the backs of these things and uses them as like a a, a freeway essentially across the desert. Um, but yeah they're, it's just set dressing It's they, they contribute nothing to the story it's just some cool design that he wanted to show off apparently. Um, anyway uh, we come across something that the hand refers to as a resting house in a forested area so the landscape changes like every five minutes in this movie Um, but yeah we're in a forest clearing and this resting house is apparently it's like a semi-transparent rectangle uh, with the long side facing upward so it's a barrier of some sort um, and whatever's housed within it isn't visible but you can plainly see that it that it's there so I, I guess it has mass to it um and he's d just dismounts from his horse and he starts approaching this thing and uh he has a a handful of pebbles that he starts flicking into the air and all these little eyeballs start appearing in the sky shooting laser beams at all the rocks so apparently this is something he's encountered before uh, so this is kind of a cool trap um reminded me a little bit of the Superman animated show from the 90s there was an episode like this where uh, there was a guy who had mastery of um, light and yeah yeah light um, so he cre- he created a, uh, a illusion hiding in plain sight where it was a construction yard that actually was just like a building that everyone like because he built all these devices and whatnot to create projections like everyone around it just saw it as a construction yard it's kind of cool Um anyway uh d gets to the barrier and we keep cutting back and forth between him slowly slowly walking towards this thing and uh someone stirring inside um it's a close-up of their mouth like clenched teeth and whatnot uh it's it's a vampire (laughs) Um, anyway he puts his hand the hand uh to the resting house barrier and uh apparently he's looking for a doorway into this barrier and uh doesn't do it in time because uh, Layla shows up riding her motorized unicycle with a fucking bazooka and uh (laughs) just so happens as soon as she arrives the resting house opens up and uh Meyer Link um the vampire lord hiding within there bursts out uh carriage in tow and she attempts to blow up the carriage and uh, it doesn't go so well uh, because she gets some like shrapnel thrown through her gut instead and as far as I can tell the carriage is completely unharmed um Anyway, we cut to a tunnel chase. And Kyle, did this remind you at all of Terminator 1?
1: Um. It's been so long since I've seen Terminator 1. I
0: don't even remember Terminator 1. How dare you? (laughs) I don't remember. That's what I have to say to that. Yeah, I don't remember the tunnel chase at all. Oh, wow. I mean, it's brief. It's not like the whole movie or anything, but it's, it's basically towards the end when uh, Kyle Reese is chucking uh, pipe bombs at him when he's on a motorcycle. Oh, mm. well, anyway, the lighting here made me think of that. Um, it's that, like, fluorescent tube lighting. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a lovely animated sequence where uh, D and Meyer Link, uh, this uh, vampire lord, they square off. And uh, we see Meyer Link's, like, number one trick, which is uh, he has a cape. Uh, he's a vampire, of course. And uh, he can weaponize the cape in the form of turning it into, like, bladed instruments. Like, just at will. And it's pretty fucking cool looking. Um, I didn't even notice that. Really? Yeah. That's, like, his one trick. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even like, see that. Oh, well, he's not wielding a sword. It's his cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, D, however, has a sword and he carries it on his back at all times. And uh, the, what is it? The crossguard on it is gigantic. It's like it's like a William Wallace. I was gonna sword. say it's like a William Wallace sword. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, the blade itself is a it's like a crescent shaped, like thin blade. So it's not like claymore or something. But um, the two of them go at it. Uh, the choreography is sparse. It's mostly just like kind of locking swords and making eye contact. Very. Uh, Very samurai-like, I guess, um, despite the gothic design elements. Um, Anyway, Myra, he talks some trash here. He's like, taking out a vampire at night is a mission for morons and fools. Which one are you? Um, So, dirty pool there. Um, Anyway, Link tries to convince Dee that uh, the girl came with him willingly. And Dee's not having it. And we get this amazing slow-motion shot of uh, the girl from within the carriage. Like, the camera just kind of, like zooms into her face and like across the faces of the two men fighting above and uh she calls out to Meyer link and uh d gets knocked off the carriage he's too graceful to actually t- tuck and roll he just lands on his feet because he's super badass um but he heard that she called out to Meyer link so he's like hmm maybe she is into it <laughs> like maybe she's into that super handsome vampire lord um anyway we cut back to layla and uh the hand kind of debates with D. like, the hand is like, mm, you are a vampire, and you do need blood to live, and she's pretty much down for the count, like, may- maybe we should, maybe we should do something about that, and Dee's like, mm, no. Um, so, instead, though, Layla awakes, and uh, she discovers that D has bandaged her, and I like that she, the first thing she does when she wakes up is she checks her neck um, before she even checks to see if she's been bandaged. And she's indignant. She's kind of that way throughout, like, 80% of this movie. She's kind of a frustrating character, to be yeah, honest. She doesn't make a lot of sense. Her motivation is strange. Anyway, they, they exchange some uh, catty comments here, where she's like, what are you, my mother? And he's like, you called out for your mother before. or thought you might be needing her. And it's like, "Oh," It's <laughs> like talking shit about someone who almost died. <laughs> it's kind of a dick move. Um, anyway, the the X-Men arrive, the... the uh, the Marcus brothers they arrive to pick her up and uh, we have some emo vampire shit going on here in the form of Meyer Link and the girl Charlotte like hanging out in his carriage which uh, he has vampire powers so he can like command the horses to keep running even when he goes inside to schmooze with her Um, but basically he's just like kind of monologuing about like oh it sucks to be a vampire she doesn't know the pain of the loneliness he's very much crawling in his skin Um, Yeah, you're not. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the burden of being a vampire, the burden of being immortal. Yeah, it's really got (laughs) to suck. Anyway, uh, we start to get some of the elements of the film that are, I thought, the most promising, but unfortunately also serve as kind of the biggest letdown. Um, So the Marcus brothers ride on in their tank. And uh, they're headed to something that uh, we hear referred to as the Barbara Roy. And I thought these guys were the coolest part uh, of of the movie, although they don't really do much. It, I just think they're a cool idea. It's like a, think of like Mons Isley or like a Midian from Nightbreed. It's just like a, a place where the, the things that go bump in the night all kind of hang out. And for a price, they'll be your friend <laughs> temporarily. Well, I haven't seen Nightbreed. Uh, it's essentially the same thing. Nightbreed is just—it's like Professor Xavier's school, but underground. <laughs> it's just like—it's just the place where all the misfits go to hang out. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, the Marcus brothers are riding along. They're chasing the carriage, as is Dee, and uh, we get introduced to the last member of the Marcus brothers, who is uh, the one with the uh, <laughs> the the laser force ghost. Um, yeah. He, he's introduced. Jarmish, yeah so Jarmish is introduced to us in the form of a very frail man with a like blasted white hair (laughs) he looks like the sloth uh
1: guy from seven basically uh he looks like the dude on the bed that they find
0: yeah he's wearing clothes at this point but when he activates his force powers we do get to see him topless and it's not healthy it's not a good look um it's actually pretty cool from a design standpoint um I thought it was a neat idea, neat concept. Although, again, he doesn't have much of a character. He just, he's a tool. He does things. and He kind of wears out his welcome, so the movie gets rid of him at some point. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this guy, uh, Jarmash, he asks Layla about her wounds, and um, he cautions her that it's like, you know, I have a feeling that the, the half-vampire guy did that for you, and uh, you should probably be careful about him, so... Apparently they don't trust vampires even half half breeds uh, so the marcuses find the carriage um, and it's at the hot gates from 300 <laughs> essentially <laughs> <laughs> um, so three of the marcuses all roll out and they go to investigate and we have this really cool bit where bane uh, the guy with this the uh the mallet he whacks the carriage and he's big enough to like whack the whole carriage essentially um and instead of smashing like you would expect a carriage to um, it kind of gets enveloped around his mallet and it turns out to be made of cloth it's a really cool effect from an animation standpoint and then we hear laughter and uh, we discover that somebody's watching Um, and it calls out to them after 5,000 years of isolation we are now invincible (laughs) and so it's this mocking tone Um, And then we get attacked from the shadows, like literally the shadows, so something moves within all the shadows cast in the environment. And uh, this shadowy figure stabs the big guy, not in his body, but in his shadow behind him. Um, And at first it just looks like a flesh wound, but then we get this scene where all of his brothers are running around him and he's standing still, he's like standing upright, and eventually starts bleeding from the mouth and he dies. It's like a little bit of an anticlimax. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa, the biggest guy in the group just got killed by just like a little poke in the shadow, not even in his body. So it's like, Oh man, like ruined a chance for an action scene. But yeah, he's, he's off the table and his last words are basically saying, watch out for the shadows. And uh, his brothers have a breakdown and we cut away to a uh, D uh, trotting up to a walled settlement with all manner of windmills. And the hand is kind of, kind of uppity about this. He's not happy. Uh, cause he senses danger. And, uh, This is where the uh, I feel the Maus Eisley slash uh, Midian comparisons are appropriate because he enters this walled city, and uh, we see all these creatures watching him from a distance as he walks in. It's like if you can think of a like Universal horror monster or just like a.
1: It's a uh, Scooby. It's all the monsters from Scooby Doo. All put into one
0: one building, basically, <laughs> and they all have beef with those meddling kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're all just waiting for him to come back in their goddamn van. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like entering uh, Jabba's palace in uh, Return of the Jedi. yes yeah. you know the the eyeball at the gate and the the door raises up and whatnot. Um, but D. <laughs> Very much. so. I love when you see the when you see that thing's legs walk by in the background, mm. where it's like there's this like spider leg droid like way in the background when C three PO walks yeah. in. And he's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> 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 oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um. Anyway, D walks in there. He gets in just by saying his name and saying, "Hey, I've got I've got business in here." Uh. So maybe being a uh, a half vampire gives you some street credit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would imagine. It's like Keanu
1: um, Reeves in Constantine. Like, he can just kind of walk into those demon places because he, you know,
0: God, I want to watch that movie again.
1: Yeah. I've been saying that for a
0: long time, man.
1: Constantine. It's been a while since I've watched it. It's the Shia LaBeouf part that you just don't want to see. You just wanna, you don't want to see him that young, talking. It's just not fun. <laughs> talking, breathing,
0: inhabiting space. A little too <laughs> even <laughs> Stevens, a little too close to that. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of like iRobot, where it's like... Oh <laughs> Heard to quote uh Ian Ernest uh, P. World. Hey. Oh, speaking of Will Smith, which
1: one do you think which I I kinda wanna go back and watch some of that like sci fi Will Smith stuff and I'm like, do I wanna go back and see if I Am Legend is any good or iRobot? I, I remember liking iRobot somewhat. Like it was it was sir it was fine. They're both pretty pretty not good. <laughs> um, Probably and the
0: dog the dog thing might might cause some problems in your household.
1: Well, I I haven't seen it yet, but uh, apparently Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, while she and Will were uh, separated, uh, started a relationship with another person, and uh, she decided to do that to stream that uh, to do that as a broadcast, which is fucking insane. But I, I'm afraid to watch it because I like Will Smith and I don't want to see him get hurt like that.
0: You know. <laughs> uh, Will Smith is above being hurt. He's not human. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I think that was
1: probably pretty devastating. I'm,
0: I'm just picturing tears streaming down his face and he just goes,
2: woo, 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 woo.
1: Maybe we'll get our funny Will Smith back. I'd love to have him back.
0: Overcompensating Will Smith? Sure, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, bring him back. Yeah. Um, anyway, we get introduced to Yoda, uh, the character. Well, I believe you named him in your notes. Yeah, uh, yeah Yoda. Yoda. Uh, so Yoda refers to a character. Who, as far as I know, doesn't really have a name, but he's he's an old man. Um, this is actually a trope of this uh, director's filmography. He likes to have like undersized elderly perverts. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not a pervert, but in Ninja Scroll we have the the conniving like elderly ninja character. Those uh, ladies like three on the feet out- tall.
1: Those ladies by the trees outside were pretty naked and snaky. I
0: think this guy's a pervert. He shot him from behind. <laughs> 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 he shot him from behind. Um, but yeah, this this old guy. He's what I love about his design is he looks like he's wearing a three quarters of an umbrella for his for his like cloak, and then he's riding a miniature unicycle and he never gets off it <laughs> he, he just rides in circles while he's talking at you and he talks at you he doesn't talk to you uh this guy has an air of arrogance about him and uh he exposits that he was paid a hundred million dollars uh to protect Meyer link so there's pretty much nothing d can offer him in return that you know hasn't been offered already and I. Uh, he compliments D for his abilities. He's like, you know, you are pretty ballsy coming in here all by yourself and whatnot, but oh, oh, you oh, gotta die. Oh GB Jedi! GB Jedi Unfortunately there is no Rancor in this movie. That would be that would be something that I would I would invite. Uh in fact that was basically in the first film. Uh the first film uh towards the end in particular it really just turns into a castlevania like the video game but in movie form where it's just Hmm. like okay that's frankenstein's monster it's like okay that's that's the creature from the black lagoons like we're not even trying to disguise it anymore that's the
1: ferengi Um.
0: uh (laughs) i mean honestly it's it's that blatant about it but it's charming um but yeah they had like giant monsters in that one that we don't have here um but uh, we see that the carriage is nearby while this conversation is going on. And uh, the Marcus brothers are observing at a distance. So they're like, mm, we already lost one of ours, like, trying to penetrate this this area. Maybe we should let him handle this. Um, meanwhile, uh, Gambit is injecting Jarmusch uh, with some sort of fluid. And this is where we get to see Jarmusch with his shirt off. And he is not looking good. He Mm-mm. is, like, sloth. From 7 if you know what that looks like yeah um, anyway pretty uh, <laughs> it's pretty gross uh, even even animated uh, so D uh, complements the uh, the Barbaroi is the name of this community apparently I don't know if it's like a cast or, or this settlement or whatever um, but apparently they work for the vampires in exchange for great sums of money so they're like bodyguards kind of or mercenaries um, but he compliments them in kind. He's like, mm, wouldn't it be more sporting if y'all fought me like one-on-one? Because there's like a hundred of you and it's just me. And uh, we get to see the the principal Barbaroy that we'll be dealing with for the remainder of the film. We have the shadow guy, we have the wolf man, and we have the plant lady. Banshee,
1: beast, and poison ivy.
0: <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> so, basically, the X-Men featuring poison ivy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um so they're all standing on the carriage and they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll take them on one at a time, because we, you know we need to stretch this fucking movie out. Um, suddenly, though, before anything else can happen, a fucking ghost bamps in and starts slinging laser beams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the timing on this is pretty much comical, where it's just like we're in the middle of a conversation, all of a sudden we see a smiling ghost like looking high as a kite <laughs> flying in from the heavens and just start throwing laser beams and indiscriminately blowing people to dust. Um, yeah. Uh, so this would be Jarmusch, um, in spectral form. So apparently he can do some sort of, uh, astral projection, uh, with laser beams and it's cool. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but it's cool. Um, Anyway, uh, we see that uh, the shadow guy, Banshee, he um, he can do all things associated with shadows. So he can like create dimensions and pe- cast objects and people into those dimensions. He can move through shadows. He can harm people through shadows. And uh, he literally eats these laser beams. Like he just absorbs the light and into his body, and it does nothing. Um, eventually, though, Dee uh, maybe just didn't. <laughs> An act of altruism i guess uh spares the barb like all the innocent barb who haven't even done anything uh he spares them by slicing this apparition in half with his badass sword and then uh we see jarmish spasm awake and he is not a, he is not in a good way following this so apparently it takes great effort on his part to do this um so anyway we start up the chase again because like i said that's like most of this movie is just chasing a carriage Uh, So D is on horseback and uh, we see that the carriage is once again, a cloth illusion when he attempts to mount it and uh, it envelops D and his horse. And (laughs) it's pretty (laughs) fucked up. Uh, We get to see his horse go splat. So the the horse like bounces off the cliffside and explodes into (laughs) just gore. (laughs) It's like, Oh fuck dude. I hope you didn't have any special attachment to that horse. Why didn't you catch that? uh, It's like, a second if that mm-hmm. it's they don't focus on her or anything but yeah it's just <laughs> it's tasty um but d gets entrapped in some sort of dark dimension and i, I like the uh, the motif like the the, the uh, concept of uh, the shadow guy having one of those like uh, hand knot puzzles where it's like you take a a mess of strings and you you like make a pattern between your fingers in your splayed out hands it's, like, that's, that's, like, how he pantomimes himself, like, making that dimensional space, that, he, that void he can trap people in. So D is, like, trapped out of time and out of space. So he's, like, frozen in some sort of dark space, and he can't get out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Marcuses are giving tr- giving chase in their, uh, their tank, essentially, and uh, we get to see what Poison Ivy can do. Uh, so she hops off of the, the carriage, and uh, she effortlessly glides under the the tank and uh she does something that's akin to like the the absorbing man i guess um from again from marvel comics uh, nick nolte from the ang lee hulk <laughs> um, anyway uh poison ivy is under this truck and she has a trick where i, I want to say her mutant power uh, is that she can assume the uh assume the material characteristics of whatever she's in contact with because she turns into plants she turns into earth and now that she's under the tank she turns into metal
1: oh i didn't catch that i was gonna say she's more like an organic t-1000 man i've gotta watch that um yeah i didn't no, catch that. she no, turned she, it the tank. she
0: assumes many different forms yeah. she just her her uh, primary like character model happens to be green though so i I could see her, you thinking like yeah. plants you know, well, i didn't catch the metal part well yeah no it's metal and i uh, it it's kind of neat the way she comes up into the tank because she's underneath it and she kind of like seeps in like the t-1000 like liquid metal but then she goes from like mercury metal to like iron or steel metal <laughs> and turns into a series of spikes that just like shoot out in all different directions and like create a just a a whole nest of spines inside there it looks like a bramble bush but metal on the inside of a vehicle in motion and uh, some people get hurt here nobody dies but some people get hurt um and yeah the uh the tank gets upended like well yeah they have to pull over essentially and uh she takes off she goes into hiding and uh when we all file out of the tank we're all kind of split up a little bit so the knife guy is hiding and Arrow guy is too, and Layla as well. And we're in like a rusty industrial zone. And I could see how you'd be a little irritated here because, once again, it is bright and shiny outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? Uh, simple explanation is because we have a character who exploits shadows, and it's a lot easier to render shadows in daylight yeah. <laughs> um, when there are shadows well, that are more plainly visible.
1: This part I was fine with. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This, yeah, this clearly, this creature uses shadows, it's the rest of the movie where it's broad daylight.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. No, this, I, this
1: was kind of the tipping
0: point. This was like, okay, this is interesting, and after this scene, it's like a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> uh, so, we cut back to D real quick, and he is paralyzed, like I said. and uh, He has to ask his hand buddy uh, to help him out, so he can still, like, communicate with him psychically or something, or telepathically, anyway. And, uh, we see that the hand has the power to suck! <laughs> uh, he has like a vacuum in his mouth. So he just like sucks and he sucks this entire void away. Like uh, they refer to it as a spell. Uh, so he absorbs the spell and then D slices his way out of it because it does have like a cloth casing around it. And then uh, Shadow Guy, meanwhile, is very far away from D. So he's where the Marcuses are in broad daylight in the desert. And his uh his little knot puzzle when his hand breaks and he's like oh shit the the half the half breed's free <laughs> like this is a problem uh, anyway we uh, we managed to kill the shadow guy pretty quickly actually um, that's one thing that's interesting about the way this particular director choreographs action is it it is more like like a old fashioned like samurai movie or or like a ninja movie I guess where uh there's not a whole lot of strikes it's just kind of like decisive blows mm-hmm. where it's just like one or two movements someone's dead it's not like dragon ball where it's like we need to fly here and here and, here and go pop, pop 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 and it's like a whole lot of noise a whole lot of sparring and then there, and then there's like the one big hit at the end after 20 episodes of us screaming at each other mm. uh, this guy's style is more just like one two done Um, And that's kind of how things happen with the shadow guy. It's one or one, two done. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually very quick, um, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's like a stamp, I guess, on his work. Um, Maybe it, it, it's actually a good idea from an animation standpoint because it does save you some time and money for sure. Uh, It allows you to, to make those decisive strokes look, be, be rendered better uh, because, you know, you're, at the end of the day, it's all about frames and things like that and camera angles. And if you can be more economical about it, it's probably in your best interest, uh, especially when you're animating as, as well as this movie is. Um, but yeah, Shadow Guy, gets he gets offed through a combination of the efforts of the the knife and Arrow Guy. Um, however, the vehicle is booked. Um And then, yeah, we have, uh, it's almost like a plot cul-de-sac. in the form of a field trip to the fucking town
1: crickets yeah this this scene is possibly the most useless thing um, where we get uh, well we get the vampire in the casket reading the letter in German which I don't even know what that was all about Um,
0: the the one thing that comes from that is just that he makes mention of uh, the stars so he hints at the fact that it's like you may not have known it, although you probably should have, given that we had a shot of a satellite like in orbit earlier in the film. But he's he makes mention of the destination being the stars. There was a satellite earlier in the film.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I've seen see. like half of the
0: movie apparently. I'm like, I, mean, I didn't. <laughs> apparently,
1: miss the Kyle, of this. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I was barely taking notes. I didn't even look at my phone. I was watching this thing.
0: But Jeez. no, it. I mean, I could see how you'd be confused because it looks like a cathedral but you also see the curve of the earth behind it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Did not catch um, that. But yeah. Anyway, um, we're in town, Kyle. What what happens in town?
1: Um, they're doing some refueling uh, as D is approaching. Um, and then we get a bar scene where Layla goes into the bar and she's got her gun. And it's like, uh, it seems out of place here. And I was just watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'm like, oh, this is like a little, uh, like a little saloon scene. Um... Like she goes in, she's getting a drink, and some guy comes up. I didn't realize it was the sheriff until she handed over the gun. I'm like, why would she hand over the gun? I'm like, oh, it's the sheriff. You're not supposed to have your guns in town. You're not supposed to have them in the saloon, for sure. But uh, she hands over his gun. Uh, but first, she points it at him, which is always nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically, D is going to uh, get himself another horse.
0: Yeah. Uh, so she is talking with the sheriff character and she, you know, politely mentions that, oh, hey, by the way, there's another hunter in town, a half vampire one Um, cut to D buying an overpriced horse from an old mechanic who doesn't really pay him any mind. Um, And then the sheriff arrives with a posse. And I'm pretty sure both the sheriff and the posse are all voiced by John DiMaggio probably (laughs) because (laughs) because we need to save money somewhere. Um, And we get this whole song and dance of a D saying nothing. He's just standing in the stables by this horse, and uh, the old man is trying to convince the sheriff, like, "Hey, don't hassle him. I know he's a half vampire, and we got problems with them around here, but uh, maybe lay off." And he tells everyone in the room this story of a long time ago when ten kids from this town were abducted, or I'm sorry, taken by vampires, <laughs> and uh, the hero who ended up saving all these children. Uh, was a Dunpeel, a half-vampire, half-human. I'm sorry, and, uh, do you know who's voicing
1: the left
2: hand?
0: Uh, No, who is? Michael McShane. As in relations?
1: Franklin Delano Romanowski. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh,
1: shit! Yeah. Holy uh, shit! The big uh, Friar Tuck from
0: Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, the inventor from Richie Rich. Yeah,
1: Swanson, <laughs> the the therapist that puts uh, Ron Livingston under an Office Space. The I one who, can yeah, way oh. down, deeper and deeper, deeper, and deeper all the way
0: down. <laughs> that,
1: that that movie's that movie's fun, but I lo- I love that that scene of him. It's just a nice dark comedy moment where he dies as he puts him into hypnosis. You no,
0: know, yeah. uh, thank you for looking that up because I I can see it now. Like I. Now it all makes sense. I, I didn't would, know that though. Uh,
1: there was something. Uh, there was something about his voice. I'm like, there's something about that the hand voice. I'm like, I just can't put my finger on it. And I r- originally looked at the filmography. And I'm like, I looked at like the first couple people. And I'm like, I have no. I, I actually I know who she is. I know who does the voice of Layla. No shit. She's a uh, uh, Pamela Adlon. Um, oh he, shit! Yeah. Yeah, from Californication. Ronkel's wife from Californication. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. That's uh, Bobby Hill, isn't it? I uh, want to say she does Bobby. I Hill. thought
1: Bobby Hill was um the Ch- Chucky from Rugrats. I could be wrong. Oh no, that probably is her.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think so. I, I could be totally wrong. She's done though. a shit ton of voice acting. She has a good voice. Um, she had, she puts some stank on it. Like she's good at playing this kind of character. Um, but yeah. Uh. uh Michael McShane you said it was Mm -hmm. he has that Seth Rogen fat guy laugh (laughs) Seth Rogen has the best laugh it's a chuckle it is (laughs) is a jolly chuckle it's great god in fact the the DreamWorks company even went on record saying it's like that's pretty much half of why we work with him (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's why he's in Kung Fu Panda as a fucking insect (laughs) damn she did some of the Spawn
1: cartoon the Godzilla series Jesus, I'm trying to find. Uh, when did King of the Hill start?
0: Uh, Mid '90s, I want to say. Um, I know she was on the show for sure. I can picture her doing a sorority sisters' voice in a in a Luann centric episode where she gets a, indoctrinated into a cult. <laughs> <laughs> it is. She's Bobby Hill, correct? Yeah. Bam! I, I didn't know my know shit. That. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Uh, so so uh, that's it. It happens, especially in movies. You, can only be bothered to pay half attention. Yeah. <laughs> um we, we were talking about fucking sports earlier. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's like, true. It's fine. It's our show, goddammit. Um so this old man uh, fails to convince the sheriff with his words, so he ends up he ends up pulling out a giant fucking gun. A BFG, yeah. Yeah, it's the BFG, nine thousand. And uh he basically reasons with the sheriff that's like, you know this 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 can kill all of you. <laughs> Maybe let the guy go, and we learn that uh, the old man recognized D as the same Dunpeel that rescued those children. Oh, by the way, I was one of those. I was children. one of those children. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he's gotten around his prejudice, unlike everyone else in this town. Because, uh, by the way, uh, the Dunpeel that saved all the kids was run out of town back then. Uh, so this is like a teaching moment. Um, very X-Men like <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're making a lot of comparisons. There's to a lot. Here. There's some
1: X-Men going that th- they've seen, they've read a few comic books. I'm just saying like they've seen some Marvel and DC comics.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I was reading about a, a manga the other day, um, that I, I may have you watch an animated version of at some point. I was doing some research and, uh, the author numerous times in, in, a being questioned about his character designs he was making references to x-men all over the place mm-hmm. um i mean there, he made his own characters they're definitely original creations but they everybody takes inspiration from what they know and mm-hmm. he wasn't shy about admitting it which i admire it's like you know you, sh- you should be honest like give credit where credit is due um anyway d takes off with his horse and we see that layla witnessed the whole thing and didn't interrupt uh, so she's kind of on the fence, I guess, about how she feels about him. Uh, so we cut to the Barbaroy and Meyer Link and the girl, Charlotte, uh, at a pond. And it is this like overgrown area with like Greek style ruins, like pillars all over the p- columns all over the place. And this scene is gorgeous. Holy shit. This landscape, um, the background paintings are just lush and colorful, really vibrant. Oh, I was seething here. I was seething with anger. I'm sure you were <laughs> so, so uh, Charlotte steps out of the carriage where where Meyer link cannot follow because he is a he is he a was vampire. born a vampire <laughs> unlike Deacon Frost he was born a vampire mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh, D shows up a few minutes later um, and he he just plainly announces himself to this girl and uh, he's like hey why uh, Why are you calling out to the vampire guy? Like uh, he? Sh- you guys stupid or something? Um, and she says, "I love him." And this is where I started to wince because this uh, gothic romance stuff is not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to me, it's like it's a very juvenile, very immature outlook on life, uh, largely unhealthy in my mm-hmm. mind. But but that shows you know like maybe my my thoughts in, on these matters <laughs> like maybe that, maybe, it, maybe that's on me <laughs> she's under that
1: thulsa dune spell
0: yeah uh, she's under she's under that uh that anaconda spell <laughs> the lions ate him <laughs> uh i love the thulsa doom speech when he finally meets him that's Where a great he movie had, when he has the gal jump off the cliff mm-hmm. yeah i that
1: come to me is, my child come
0: yeah it's pretty bad that now. is power and I love how he tells him straight up. It's like, yeah, that thing that your people value so much. Oh, your people that I eradicated? Mm. It ain't shit. I got bored of it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we should uh, We should do a Chris Farley show uh, episode on Conan the
0: Barbarian. I totally could. I love Conan. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love Conan to the point that I have a lot of comics. I have a lot of Conan comics. And oh. they're all great. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh she tells D that she is fine with dying. She just can't live without her vampire man. And uh, Layla shows up. She bamps in from nowhere and she smacks this gal. And me, being who I am, I was like, "Yeah, you show her." <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, Layla, holds up her pistol to D and she's like, "You want to do something about?" It? And uh, then she gets interrupted by Poison Ivy, the plant yeah. lady, um, who is now in proper plant lady form because she's in contact with the environment around her, and she's like. On a tree she's pretty so hot. She, she, yeah not doing bad you know this <laughs> is doing all right for herself mm-hmm. uh, so she attacks from above and uh, she's like rains down needles on everyone around her and uh, we get to see D uh, walk on water it's kind of a neat trick he runs it's not like a basilisk he just like tiptoes across the water effortlessly <laughs> um, and he slices after her uh, through the tree line and she uh, escapes by morphing into a tree and kind of hiding and uh, we get a plot device in the form of d being weakened by too much sunlight um, which the hand was cautioning him earlier in the film that's like hey uh might want to get out of the sun mm-hmm. it's like you're you're uh, you're kind of vampire you're you're vampish yeah. <laughs> like you're half vampish you may want to get out of the sun it's not good for your people um but now we see that it actually creates physical symptoms like he actually does get weakened so this like is like kryptonite kind for thing. superman i think they even say that like heat stroke or sunstroke or something it, it is very much like superman exposed to kryptonite where it's like he's weakened but very rarely to the point where he's defenseless it's like mm. it's like superman returns that was the dumbest fucking shit i haven't like, seen a minute of those movies Ugh. not uh, yeah, not even a little bit i mean superman returns i know we don't talk about him but kevin spacey really is fucking good in that movie mm. um but Superman Returns may as well be called Superman Lifts Progressively Heavier Things, um, because somebody somebody writing that movie didn't really know what to do with Superman. So it's like, how do we make how do we make his feats of Supermanness more impressive? It's like, well, let's make him pick up heavier things. It's, I'm sorry, that gets really dull after the second time he does. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he picks up a continent with a kryptonite knife in his side. No. I'm sorry. No A continent like Australia. <laughs> a a new continent. There's a new one. Okay. There is a new one. <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's like uh, what kingdom of heaven? Um, the uh, um, there's that horrible scene where Orlando Bloom shows up and it's like, oh, you're so and so, right? And he's like, I am the new one. <laughs> it's like, you know what? They I ask, they ask delivery. like, who who is your dad? And he's like, I am the new one. <laughs> it's like. Or you could just say your name. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but anyway, uh, D's got, he's got some problems and the hand is scolding him and uh, poison ivy lashes out at him again with like a wooden spike attack. And uh, the hand is like urging D like bury himself. Uh, so, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's one way to get around, you know, vampire problems in the sun. It's like, if you, if you hide into the dirt, you'll get better. Uh, and we get this, we get that uh, strobe effect that I had mentioned earlier. When D jumps at her uh, through the tree line, and we get all sorts of clutter on the screen. It's all beautifully rendered in in you know hand drawn animation and whatnot. And uh, he slices her head off, uh, the poison ivy. Uh, however, we see her head suspended in the tree line via some vines and whatnot. And her eyes are like rolled up into the back of her head, and then they like wiggle around in center. And we get an orchestra sting, kind of like telling us that yeah her head's off but she's not dead mm-hmm. she'll be uh, back yeah she'll be back and in greater number uh, so Layla finds uh, D digging with his sword uh, in the shade of a tree <laughs> and uh she doesn't tell her brothers that Dee's nearby and that he's meddling in their affairs um, then we get a storm and this is this is a scene that I don't know that I needed in this movie you didn't um, Yeah, uh, so we have a a storm in the form of, like, a rainstorm, uh, same location. And uh, Layla, we see, uh, has helped to bury D, and she's like, I repaid the favor, bye. Um, However, she gets snatched by Plant Lady, and this was just bizarre. Um, Yeah, I don't don't understand what the hell happened. I don't either. I don't think anyone does because, yeah, she gets snatched by the Plant Lady uh, because apparently we needed, like, two more seconds of action in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, she gets yanked up into the trees, and she throws a knife in Plant Lady's forehead. It does not kill her. Mm-mm. But an explosion then, does. Yes. Uh, so, the Plant Lady's mocking Layla and is threatening to kill her. And then, literally from the heavens, a lightning bolt uses the uses the knife in her forehead as a catalyst and electrocutes and explodes her. Yeah. So, literal divine intervention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> i mean it looks cool but it makes yeah. no goddamn sense um and yeah anyway the the rain continues and uh Layla waits with d and uh, he wakes up and she's terse as usual uh and d assumes correctly as far as i understand that her family were killed by vampires and uh, she tells us this whole song and dance about how her mom was kidnapped by vampires and then was returned to her family. However, she was all sorts of wonky. Uh, She was not herself. And her mom got stoned to death in front of her, which is going to cause some trauma. (laughs) Yeah, especially for a kid. And uh, she makes a pact with Dee that whoever dies first between the two of us, uh, the other will bring flowers to their grave. Um, And Dee kind of, like, reminds her, it's like, hey, you know, like, there's all sorts of prejudice on this planet, and nobody likes half vampires, half humans. You, however, are human, and don't have to live this, this weird life of hunting monsters and whatnot. And she's like, whatever. It's, it's, it's just a nothing exchange. It doesn't really mean anything. We're just setting up for the ending, essentially. Um, anyway, uh, it is now morning, and the two of them are apparently uh, even at this point. They've both saved each other's lives. And... Uh, we head off for some place that is referred to as the castle. Um, and the plan at this point is we see the carriage at a distance running across a bridge. So the plan is to intercept the carriage on this bridge. And, uh, do you remember how this goes down Kyle? Yeah.
1: The, uh, the A team have set up some explosives under the bridge and, uh, they explode like a, just enough to keep the, the carriage stopped basically. And, um, they're wanting the girl, obviously. Beast is driving the uh, he's driving the carriage. Um, and he uses some kind of weird vision uh, to locate the bombs underneath the bridge. And I'm like, well, what's he going to do with that knowledge? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'm like, okay, he knows there's bombs under there. Um, and then they kind of scuffle, and then he ends up kind of jumping off the bridge a little bit. Like, he gets... Uh, he gets injured somehow and gets thrown off the bridge, but I'm like, that's not the last we're going to see of him.
0: No, of course not. Like, like, like I said, the, the template set by Ninja Scroll is everybody has a gimmick that they bring to the table. Once they've displayed that gimmick, they've, li- they've worn out their welcome and they can now die. <laughs> so we haven't seen his gimmick yet, so he, he can't die just yet. Um, but yeah, he jumps off the bridge and uh, Meyer Link, uh, the vampire, he steps out of the carriage into the sun. Which is not good. So no. he is now on fire. Um, that's not good for anyone. And we start, like, fucking with him. So the Marcuses, uh, arrow guy and knife guy, we start throwing shit at him. <laughs> they shoot all manner of arrows at him and throw knives at him. and Nothing fatal, but they're just kind of fucking with him <laughs> while he's, like, tr- crying out for Charlotte, the girl. Um, meanwhile, Layla is watching from very far away as she has, like, sophisticated binoculars um, and, uh, Charlotte makes a run for her man. And, uh, just before the Marcuses like get uppity to the point where they're like, you know, we still get a reward if, if we bring back proof that she's dead, maybe we like she's making it rough for both of us. Uh, why don't we just kill her and the vampire and call it good? Mm-hmm. And just before they can do that though, uh, holy shit, Kyle, you, uh, your namesake <laughs> get slashed to pieces. Oh yeah. It's pretty fucking tasty. Um, he gets slashed by something unseen, and uh, the other one, uh, Gambit, he gets his fucking eye gouged out, like slashed. He gets slashed across the face, and uh, we get kind of like a full reveal of Beast, and it's not an especially creative look. Um, he's basically just a gi- he's just a werewolf, but with a giant mouth in his torso.
1: Yeah, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Where is it going to go from there? Like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um oh. you're, yeah it doesn't really make sense maybe for
1: another the dimension. standpoint maybe the mouth is coming from another dimension. it's just using his uh, stomach as a portal.
0: yeah, I mean we already had some of that with the shadow guy, so mm-hmm. sure we'll go with that but we'll yeah he's he's basically just a, a bipedal werewolf with an extra mouth in his stomach. yeah um, yeah anyway, uh, Gambit actually hops off the bridge here and this is how he discovers that the explosives have been moved. Um, so he in mid fall uh, clicks the detonator and, and as it so happens um, the bridge isn't going to blow um, mm-hmm. the water below him blows up uh, he does survive however um, so at this point uh, Meyer is reunited with the girl um, he's, he manages to resist biting her um, this has been a recurring thing throughout the movie he's like resistant to biting her and uh, we start to get some shots of where they're headed and uh, we get a shot of a throne, and then mountains, and then Layla and uh, Jarmish. Leila <laughs> and Jarmish are like in the in the back of the the tank as we're riding to this castle destination, and they kind of exchange words here, um, kind of understanding that we're both into we're all into deep. Like there's no going back. Uh, so apparently this is a point of pride at this point where it's like we lost too many. Um, even though it makes more sense to turn back and, you know, spare our lives and whatnot, we're going to keep going because this is an action movie. God damn it. Sometimes anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we see a uh, beast uh, slash Wolfman. Um, he hears D approaching from behind. Uh, so it's like the rhythm of this movie is like one of the hunters makes a, makes a move on the carriage, fails, then the other one does. And then it's like kind of like back and forth, like one at a time. Um, but yeah, uh, Kyle, you were really impressed with the look of this castle, right?
1: Yeah, um, it's you can tell it's it, you can't really tell the scale from like the, when you first see it, like it's from like way way back, like oh this just looks like a big castle. But when we actually get up close to this thing, it's got like its own Golden Gate Bridge nearly. Like this bridge to get over it is fucking huge. It's not quite that big, but it's pretty big. Um, what really took me was the uh, the staircase like that really helps you understand the scale of this thing. Like the the staircase and like this, the, the I guess the first floor of this thing is like a fucking five story building. Like it's enormous. Like the staircase has got to be up. I think maybe it's like a five story staircase
0: at least. Yeah. Um. The shot from above when the carriage first enters it, it's like. Holy shit! This is like a city almost. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, yeah, it basically is. It's like Cloud City almost. But it's one unifying structure, and it's impressively designed. Yeah. Um, it it looks it looks like madness at the same time though, which is kind of cool. Where it's like, a lot of this doesn't make sense, but I'm all for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from an architectural standpoint, anyway. Um, but yeah, we get some exposition from the hand. Um, reference to a character named Carmela uh aka the bloody countess we get some exposition from the hand and uh he introduces us to a character by the name of carmella uh, aka the bloody countess and uh he exposits about uh, orgies and a someone uh d's father uh the vampire king who apparently uh, upon closer inspection these appear to be loafers i mean um Apparently Dee's father is supposed to be Count Dr- Dracula um, in the novels. However, it's never explicitly stated in any of the movies as far as I understand. Um, and it might just be rumor. Um, anyway, the vampire king, Dracula, uh, killed Carmela. And uh, she haunts this castle now. Uh, so put a pin in that. So Carmela was killed at some point and is now haunting this place. Um, so we get uh, the first time in the soundtrack for this movie. By the way, the, the music in this movie is frustrating. Um, you and I both <laughs> had some words about the uh, the volume of the music in this Oh, film. yes, very much. Yeah, uh, both Kyle and I had some complaints about the sound mixing, where the, the music is a little too loud and the dialogue is a little too quiet. Um, my biggest complaint with the score, though, is the instrumentation. Um, there's a lot of synthesizer work, like, But it's the bad. It's the bad kind of synthesizer where we're trying to imitate an orchestra, but you can tell it's like there were no instruments played ever in this film score. You you need '90s techno. That's what
1: makes vampires awesome.
2: (laughs) Confusion. (laughs) Confusion.
0: The system (laughs) is down. The system (laughs) is down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. I get it, but um, but some of the music's well composed. It's just I don't like I don't like knowing that you're trying to make it sound like there's a big symphony playing, but you don't have a symphony. It's like just just work with what you got, you know. Um, but yeah, we get the first instance of choir in the in the score, and uh, this is actually done quite well. Uh, there's only a couple of instances of it in the whole movie, and they all happen here in the third act. Um, but yeah, we get a massive choir blast uh, when we hit the bridge, the entryway into this castle, and yeah, we get all manner of uh, glamour shots of this gigantic structure and more bats. Uh, cannot cannot put enough emphasis behind it. There are bats all over this fucking movie. Um, but yeah, the castle interior is crimson and gorgeous, and uh, the entryway has like a giant face structure hanging over the entryway along with a couple of like arms doing like a, a carrying motion uh, <laughs> kind of reminded me of the the old uh wwf smackdown set with the fist coming out from the above the Tron. <laughs> um, i'm not familiar uh be- yeah anyway you had to have been there uh so the wolfman goes down like a chump um this was a massive disappointment um, because this is not even a fight. We we literally cut from the castle to just like the Wolfman standing on top of a a, a very narrow mountain, and D jumping down at him and just slicing through him. Yeah, it's not a fight. He just like falls. I don't on even know him. how he died. Yeah, he falls through him sword first. Like <laughs> he, he may have accidentally killed him. <laughs> um. But, yeah, uh, what he learns from the Wolfman before he goes down, which is another thing that happens in a lot of Japanese media, is like, oh, I just gave you a fatal wound, but you have important things to tell me before you go. So, like, you're just going to hang on just a few seconds longer, right? He's like, yep. Um, he tells D that he was actually hired by Carmella, not Meyer Link, uh, which is curious, being as Carmella is dead ghost. and is a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, we go to the castle interior and, uh, we actually meet Carmela on a gigantic staircase and holy shit, the statue beside this staircase is a masterpiece unto itself. It's just a background painting. It's, uh, it's so nice. They used it literally twice. Um, <laughs> uh, holy crap. It looks great. Uh, it's like kind of pink, like marble looking. Um, but it's, it's like it's just this gigantic column of uh, like demons and angels and just a whole mess of bodies weaving up to the top of the castle. And it's, it's pretty spectacular. Um, And she reveals that she has a Gothic spacecraft. (laughs) She very casually reveals that she has a giant Gothic rocket in, in the back of the castle. And uh, she tells Meyer that, Hey, you can take this to the city of the night. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe the vampires have a space station or something. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Where they can have all the dance parties. <laughs> they can play techno as loud as you like, <laughs> 24-7. <laughs> uh, but, anyway, uh, she says that there was a time when every castle had a ship like this. Uh, so, yeah, maybe they literally do have a space station or are interplanetary vampires. Interplanetary um, would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Um But we get to see uh, Meyer and the girl in front of a mirror. And we have that really fun vampire effect where when we show the reflection, there's nothing behind her. But she's leaning on her man. uh, So it looks really strange um, to see in in the reflection. And uh, she gets a wardrobe change here. Uh, Holy shit. Detailed dress for sure. Um, That's doing something for somebody. Mm -hmm. And uh, he again refuses to bite her because, again, it's it's that kind of gothic romance. No! No! I I can't. I couldn't possibly know. <laughs> we we mustn't. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not it's not no we can't. It's we mustn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's really into it though. She really wants that bite. Is this like a she's only seventeen kind of thing? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: he he did take her from her father and her brother. And they keep calling the girl, not the woman, the girl. So maybe it's just a little bit of. A, She's only seventeen. Well, I mean, that
0: would explain why he's really desperate to get her to space. Maybe jurisdictional <laughs> lines like don't apply. <laughs> Maritime to, to... law. <laughs> <laughs> you may have uncovered the mystery, Kyle. <laughs> we are now in international waters. Zip, yeah, <laughs> and the fangs come out. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, she's, really, she's into it. And uh, she tells him that, hey, I dumped everyone in my life. I abandoned my life for you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. By the way,
1: real quick, it is like insanely creepy that any vampire would go after, um, especially one of this age, go after like a girl like this. Um, because they're crazy young and vampires are crazy old. So I think there's a little bit of child grooming uh, on top of kidnapping uh, taking her and then possibly taking her to international waters this is like some epstein shit
0: yeah i mean from a realistic standpoint it probably behavior like this would probably stem from boredom Mm -hmm. it's just like i have put it in everything else (laughs) (laughs) and you know just just to try it (laughs) but Um, yeah, in in this context, though, I want to say that the intent is that it's supposed to be like, you know, a Romeo and a naive Romeo and Juliet type situation where Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you don't understand. It's the purest of love. It's like, did you read the play? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those kids were dumb. (laughs) They got a lot of people hurt because they were selfish and dumb. dumb? Um, but yeah, the, definitely the intent behind this in the movie, in the context of the film, is that like it's supposed to be like, oh, we're you know star-crossed lovers, blah 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I love that she tells him like, hey, I don't, I dropped my entire life, I abandoned my family, and then he just pauses, doesn't say anything, <laughs> and he's like, I have to return some videotapes, <laughs> and he just like steps out of the room. He's like. His excuse is that he he knows D has arrived, so he's like, mm. "Excuse me, I need to take care of D." But just the timing, he doesn't say anything in response. He just kind of furrows his brow and he's like, "I have to do I have to do something." <laughs> Goodbye. Um. Anyway, uh, this is where things get a little funky, because uh, Meyer flies out to meet D in this long hallway with like all sorts of backlighting going on. Uh, So it has an ethereal feel to it, which has to be intentional. Um, And uh, yeah, much like a lot of the other combat in this film, uh, Meyer is sliced down the fucking middle Mm -hmm. um, in one fell swoop. He is cut in half uh, by Mm D, um, but not before Meyer spots um, Charlotte, his gal um, from within D's cloak. And he's like, I'm taking your lady. Shink. Yeah. Um, so, again, it, it, it's intentionally dreamlike, and we'll see in just a second here that this probably is largely an illusion. Yeah, because D busts into a thousand bats. He turns into Ozzy Osbourne.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, we cut from that to Dee uh, stepping into the same room that Meyer and Charlotte were in before, and uh, we hear the hand kind of, like, buzzing about how mm, something doesn't seem right. And uh, D gets transported to, like, a bloody void, um, mm-hmm. So second trip to the void, although this one is red instead of See, black.
1: I thought this was his mom because they were talking about your father did something and killed her. I'm like,
0: I thought this was his mom, basically. Oh, oh, that was causing all this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's an illusion. But um, the character that visits him is supposed to be his mom. Um, oh, it is. Again, <laughs> yeah. uh, when I did some research, I guess um, the novels point to this actually being uh, Mina Parker. Um Winona from the Bram Stoker's Dracula film. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so the Dracula connection goes on. Um, but yeah, uh, he goes to this, uh, bloody void. And, uh, meanwhile, um, Jarmusch is, uh, urging Layla and, uh, Gambit, uh, mm-hmm. to, to not go. He's like, it's too dangerous. Don't go in. There's ghosts and shit in there. And it's like, well, it's, you're a ghost. Shut up. <laughs> um, But, yeah, uh, Dee encounters an apparition in the form of her dead mom, who, as far as I know, never turns to face the camera. She's just, like, sitting down, facing away from him, covered in Mm. blood. Um, And meanwhile, the Marcuses are storming Castle, literally. And uh, Gambit is attacked by his dead brothers. Uh, They float towards him in coffins, and he's ecstatic about seeing them, because apparently he's that dumb. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's like you are in a haunted castle, sir.
1: <laughs> I mean, at least Liu Kang was like kind of leery about uh, his brother popping up. Like he just watched Shang Tsung morph into his brother, and he's like, "I don't know. I think this might be a trick."
0: <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, in the middle of a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, he
1: watches him morph into his brother. He like,
0: watch. He watches him from behind. He watches. Shang Tsung, who is wearing essentially a, a sexy vest, mm-hmm. he watches him grow satin pajamas. He watches him lose <laughs> he, thirty pounds of muscle and
1: turn into a five foot four Chinese man in a gi. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from behind or not? What, in the heat Chi- of combat or not? Shang. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when our parents died? <laughs> oh man! If. I, I'm sure there's like footage on the cutting room floor of Lyndon Ashby, Nick Cage down below, being like, "Are you fucking serious?" You fucking <laughs> like, serious? like, 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 punching Sonya in the shoulder and being like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like, Earthrealm is at stake and this piece of shit. Like, confused? <laughs> 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 you fucking idiot! Yeah. <laughs> you should have thrown his. Oh, he lost his sunglasses
1: by that point. Or you maybe. just see like, he's just sitting there like, Chang, and you just see a fucking. Whoo. A shoe just hits him right in the head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not him! Wake the fuck up! Wake (laughs) up, bitch! Uh,
0: Anyway, uh, Gambit gets felled by his own arrows from behind. So someone with telekinetic powers throws some arrows into his back, and he falls down. And uh, his uh, cross necklace also melts, um, which is, I guess, a callback to the beginning of the movie? Mm. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's similar on a visual level I, um, think,
1: I think you're right I think it is supposed to communicate to us that it is her it, it was her that was the bat it was her messing up stuff and she is not confined to just her mansion so she's not really a ghost but I don't know if that, if that counts for vampire ghosts. maybe vampire ghosts can move a little bit
0: I want to say they get special powers. Because yeah. vampire. Honestly, when it comes to vampire lore, holy shit. Like, vampires get too much. Like, also, vampires do are, nothing. Vampires vex me, they frustrate me. Yeah.
1: Something vexes thee. Um, <laughs> yeah, vampire. Uh, the crosses do nothing in this movie. Like, absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. As far as warding yeah. off vampires yeah vampire rules are very sketch in this in this particular setting Uh, i seem to remember that being the case in the first vampire hunter d film as well Mm. Um, also the vampires are sometimes just referred to as nobles Mm. Um, the first film put emphasis on the fact that the nobles kind of forever ruled over humanity and then really fucked things up like i think there's explicit reference to nuclear war <laughs> Which kind of turned back the clock on humanity and put us in this situation where, yeah, there's all these castles inhabited by vampires who have spaceships and shit. Meanwhile, the rest of the folks have horses. I feel like and, gu- the, and guns that they don't know how to use. I, I feel like at this point,
1: if that was like on the news feed coming up this in the next couple of weeks, is like nuclear war. Like fuck, why not? Why the why fuck the not? fuck? Not? <laughs> Go oh good
0: oh <laughs> fucking good. Yeah, I'll start smoking again. <laughs> You need to crack a beer while you're storming around the house. You go, oh good! If, <laughs> I, see it, great. if I see it, if I see as like
1: nuclear tests are happening or like nuclear nuclear war is imminent now, I'm like, all right, well I'm gonna go buy a carton of cigarettes because uh, I think we're just about I think we're just about finished.
0: <laughs> no filters. Two um, big fat cartons. <laughs> uh, so Gambit is down. And uh, Layla comes across an illusion of her younger self praying over a grave in the snow. Okay, uh, this me- is
1: dumber. Okay, I'm sorry. Hers is dumber than Liu Kang. Uh, I feel like, because at least Liu Kang, you have like the visual of seeing your brother and like what that might do to you emotionally. Like seeing someone that you've lost recently is just like, like even though you know it's fake, it's still like. It kind of gets you by surprise, and like, oh, I'm having like an emotional reaction. She's seeing herself as a little girl. I'm like, how fucking stupid! If I saw myself as a little kid, I'm like, I'm something's going on. (laughs) Something's (laughs) happening. Something is amiss.
0: Something is amiss. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not supposed to be seeing that. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, the the intention behind it seems almost like maybe she's just imagining it. Like maybe Carmela didn't give a shit about her because there's no intent behind it. Like there's, she doesn't even get attacked here. Whereas, like, Shang Tsung, like, actually, it probably would have made more sense for him to be, like, cornered and to have Liu Kang, like, pulling his fist back and then he changes. And just for, like, a split second. Like, not even a long time. No conversation. Just, I'm Chang. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then he shoves him and he falls to his death. Yeah. I win. <laughs> Fall victory. But not really because I got my ass kicked for two-thirds of it. Yeah. <laughs> they oh <are> mine. <laughs> Forever. I love that delivery, yeah. Ah, uh, we already did an episode on Mortal Kombat. Kyle. We don't <laughs> do it again. We'll try to keep it. We'll try. We'll do like a forty-five minute just
1: recap. <laughs> just that episode re- is over three hours long, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, folks. Yeah. <laughs> if you're bored at work, check it out. But if you're bored on a long drive, <laughs> two yeah, long you, drives. Two. Um. So meanwhile, uh, while Layla is playing with her older self, uh, younger self, uh, uh, D uh, <laughs> slice the way you put that. That was intentional. Guys. Yeah, sorry. I knew okay. what, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not above that. Um, so D uh, meanwhile he slices his ghost mom because mm. he know he. he I knows. mean, D is cooler than ice. Um, he mm. is he is a little bit of a Gary Stu. He's very seldom in danger ever, Mary Sue. But mm. oh, dude. Gary Sue, yes, yeah, um, yeah. D is unflappable for the most part, um, mm-hmm. so he's wise to this instantly. Like she's talking all sorts of shit about like what happened with your dad, and like you're a, you're a dun peel, nobody gets you, and he's just like, shut the fuck up, and he slices well, her.
1: One of the, the one of the things you said um, it kind of made me realize is like we don't really get any vampiring, like we don't get any anybody being turned. And we don't see anybody healing. Like we don't get to see um, uh, Lestat, the main guy, Meyer. Like he's burnt. Like inside of his face is burnt. And then when he comes into the castle, he's totally fine.
0: We we do get to see off screen progression because we do see him in the coffin when they're riding up to the castle. His his burns are less than they were.
1: Um, but I thought you were supposed to drink blood in order to kind of. It was like your.
0: Don't don't you dare try to like. Put hard and fast rules mm. on vampirism, Kyle. Okay. It's just not done. <laughs> like <I don't> <laughs> like vampires make this shit up as they go, and that's I why see. I find them vexing, mm. because everybody has their own spin, and it's very frustrating. At it's least hard they don't sparkle. Track of. <laughs> At least they don't sparkle. No sparkly vampires. Um, so Layla, again, she's dealing with her shit. Um, D saves her from a falling chandelier. So I guess that was Carmela trying to off Layla mm-hmm. uh, by. By literally doing what Liu Kang and Shang Tsung were doing like trying to maneuver her into position Um, so I guess this does explain that she is in fact a ghost and huh actually she it it does seem like she does have to use physical means to harm people in in the real world Mm -hmm. where she just she can't just throw a ghost at you and kill you she has to like take your own arrows and throw them into you or a chandelier and drop it on you but we get to see Carmella, um doing the, the Dracula walk on the wall, um, which is a thing that apparently Dracula does, um, not just in the Bram Stoker movie, but in, you know, other spins on that story. In fact, I think it's from the original text of him walking on the walls and whatnot, walking on the ceiling. Um, kind of like what David Bowie in Labyrinth or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I haven't seen, uh, oh. but I know by reputation. That's the, That's the fourth. That's the
1: the fourth musical, Hall- the Halloween musical. Because I'm gonna count that, yeah. Sure, all about it. It's got a, <laughs> it's got an ominous feel to it, yeah.
2: Dance
0: magic, dance. Hey, don't <laughs> don't don't do it. So. I know that much. Why don't you make fun of Bowie? Ugh. Hey hey, nobody was making fun. Mm. Paying mm. homage to. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little pokey. <laughs> Uh, so, anyway, uh, Carmela is laughing at them from the wall, and uh, she turns into bats. And uh, Gambit shows up, and he is hostile. He has been bitten, and he is now a vampire. And he takes Layla hostage, and he threatens to bite her unless D yields. And uh, meanwhile, we cut back to Charlotte ascending a staircase because she thinks that her man is waiting for her at the top. Um, so, suddenly, just as he did before, Jarma shows up in mm-hmm. spectral form. And he rolls up and he gives (laughs) Kyle's, Kyle's doing a very good imitation of what it looks like. So he smiles. It's just, it's
1: very strange for uh, an apparition. Yeah.
0: He is smiling. He's got his eyes rolled back into his head. He is (laughs) high. And uh, he rolls up to his bro, uh, to Gambit vampire Gambit. And you know, I don't know if Gambit ever became a vampire in the comics. I know Jubilee did. I don't know about Gambit though. Um, Yes, that did happen. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, he hugs Gambit, and he goes kablooey. He blows himself up in spectral form. Yeah. And uh, so Gambit's gone. He's dust. And we cut back to uh, Jarmish for a second. We see that he injected himself with the spirit goo and is now dead from overexertion, presumably. Yeah it probably puts a lot of stress on your
1: body these dudes are falling like flies there's no wonder there's not a uh a uh, sequel to this
0: like everybody's fucking dead well apparently this was mostly based on one novel out of like 30. Holy um, so shit. these characters probably were just one and dones with the exception of maybe layla maybe maybe
1: maybe <laughs> is it like a like d just stays the same you just have reoccur like it's just
0: well it's I mean like the, even the end of this movie points to the fact that he lives a long time gotcha. um, so yeah that's actually kind of a neat idea where you have this guy who can live across many different times and places and he doesn't have to change it's just all you can have a revolving door of characters um, and explain it away by just like oh this story takes place 3,000 years from now <laughs> all those people are dead they don't matter anymore um, anyway uh, Charlotte, Charlotte uh, is in a trance, and she goes and embraces her man, uh, Meyer Link, and uh, we have this really spectacular rotating shot of him holding out one side of his cape and uh, giving her old nibble on the neck. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the, the animation quality here is pretty astounding. Um, and uh, the choir busts out as he's biting her, and uh, she falls down on the floor and blood pours out her neck. And uh, we... Have these shots cutting back to the throne that we saw earlier, and there's a giant sword uh, planted in this open casket, and we see blood pouring out from both Meyer Link's body. Uh, remember, he was cut in half earlier, <laughs> as well as Charlotte, <laughs> and the blood is like streaming through the castle up into this throne and, and into the into the casket. And we see a mummified Carmela with the sword in his chest, and uh, the hand Dee's hand. Uh, announces her return um and meanwhile though Meyer Link comes back to life like his his face (laughs) merges together Uh, so he is not dead um and we have a white void where uh D it's like a white dimension now so he's been to a black a red and now a white dimension (laughs) um it's some sort of void where he approaches a defiant Carmela and she's on a throne made of a conch shell a giant conch and uh, pretty spectacular visual. Uh, she has a sultry uh, red gown with uh, Gary Oldman's hairdo from the early parts of *Bram Stoker's Dracula*. Mm-hmm. And uh, she starts slinging some magic at him without moving, because that's that's what uh, people with wardrobes like this have to do. It's like they can fight, but they can't really move. She's, usually like,
1: ad- she's dressed like Queen Amidala, uh, Queen Amidala in Episode One. Basically. very
0: much so actually uh, her headdress in particular looks really similar um even the color palette uh yeah he's like getting electrocuted and stuff and uh we have these frequent cutbacks to him fighting her uh while she remains stationary because uh, she's a pretty pretty princess <laughs> i hate that in like video games and stuff where you have that character who's like supposed to be like a fighting game character or something but in terms of, like, the physicality they put into their movements, it's all just kind of like, oh,
2: uh,
0: and then they, like, throw magic and shit at you. Mm. So it's like they don't, like, strike fancy poses or, like, you know, actually exert themselves. They just use eh, magic. <laughs> and that's what this fight is. Um, but we keep cutting back to her mummified body, like, reforming. And I, I I, was telling you off-air that it reminded me a bit of Life Force when uh, the vampire gal... Uh, turns into like she like forms herself out of blood in the helicopter and mm-hmm. it's a really interesting looking effect but anyway uh D sprouts his fangs and uh he stabs her he stabs carmella as a i i think what this was supposed to represent was her original death so it's this really cool shot where he's like flying at her and again we get that familiar strobe effect and he has his sword extended and uh she envisions from her perspective the giant sword that we saw impaled in her chest when she was a mummy like coming down on her again so i want to say it's like her having a vision of when she was originally killed uh, while the same thing is basically happening again so like father like son it's kind of a neat effect it would have been cooler if we you know had more of a history behind d and behind her and d i guess their relationship mm-hmm. um anyway uh her her uh Blood golem form, the mummy version of her in the real world is trying to escape, uh, while her her uh, ghost form is dying at the hands of D. And uh, Meyer Link shows up and slices her to pieces, and and uh, D finally uses his uh, hand, uh, its suction powers to like suck up her ghost as she's like trying to ask him who he is, and because he's D, he doesn't respond. He just kills her, (laughs) so she's dead, and the castle starts to crumble. Because we live by Castlevania logic and uh, a castle cannot continue to stand if its lord is down um, and uh, we have a weird epilogue like it feels like that should have been the, the finale but there's like a little bit more where um, D still has beef with Meyer Link um, so Charlotte has been bit and she's currently unconscious and uh, Layla is watching the two men slug it out Um, It's not really much of a fight. They just kind of, like, lock sword and cape and stare at each other. Um, Like I said, it's that kind of choreography. But Layla draws things to a halt by taking Charlotte's ring off her hand and throwing it at them. And Dee picks it up, and he's like, all I needed was proof that she's dead. So I guess I'll just take this back to her dad and tell him that she's dead. And Dee kind of lets him off the hook. So it's understood that she when she regains consciousness will become a vampire and she and Meyer can get on the spaceship in the back of the castle and uh ascend to the stars um and yeah that kind of sets us up for the finale of the movie where uh Layla and Dee leave the castle and they get to watch the the shuttle craft take off and it does in fact leave orbit and whatnot so I guess good for the the happy couple and uh the epilogue sequence though improper is a, a funeral and uh, we see a bunch of people gather around a grave and whatnot and then a little girl runs off to a tree uh, because there's a stranger on a horse uh, standing under the street and she was like oh who are you did you know my grandmother and she's like yeah did you know my grandmother Layla <laughs> and she invites it turns out to be Dee by the way she invites him into the house and he's like yeah no um, but long story short uh he's Fulfilling the pact that Layla had casually made with her when they were uh, hiding from the rain. is that, like, if whoever dies first, the other will show up and leave flowers at the grave. Uh, So he holds up his end of the bargain, and this is presumably many, many years after the the events of the whole movie. Um, But yeah, uh, final shot of the movie is uh, him riding off into the middle distance on his horse, and then we tilt up. Uh, through the trees, through the mountains, and up towards the sky, credits. And that is Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust from mm-hmm. the year 2000. 2000. Yep. Your face is telling me a lot, Kyle.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just really tired today. But yeah, um, this is a bookend kind of movie. Starts off cool, gets really slow, finishes fine.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. The It does, it does uh, drag in the middle a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, there's certain things in animation that I look for that imp- impress me more than other things. And this is one of those movies that has a lot of that. It's like I, I'm i just glad that they got some of the shots that they did. Um, even if the whole movie built around them isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, um, That happens a lot in animation, to be honest. Especially Japanese animation, where it's just like man, you guys sure put a lot of effort into some of the dumbest shit, <laughs> but I'm glad that you did, and I'm glad that I had no financial stake in it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're the same way when it comes to animation, but for me, I can justify my tastes just purely based on, like, aesthetics sometimes.
1: No. Um, uh, I Generally for animation, it is uh, the, the the jokes. Like, it's just I watch funny Shows like Archer, um, Rick and Morty I've been watching recently. Um, yeah, it's not so much the aesthetics. It's like I just kind of want a funny show or an entertaining show. So generally anime kind of falls flat for me where it's just like, yeah, some of this animations all right. But I'm like, what's going on with the story? And like it's kind of moving slow.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm trying to take all that to heart uh, for future programming choices this month. Because mm. it... I feel like I feel like my my miss to hit ratio is like <laughs> real bad. <laughs> like I feel like my batting average with you Kyle is terrible.
1: <laughs> basically what you have to do with anime is I don't like it. You have to get me to like it. That's that's well, basically how it is.
0: Well I mean what do you what do you want? Do you want it dumber? Do you want it bad? Do you want it like ironically good? Like like good bad? Maybe <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't
1: want, like, this is a revered anime. I'm not going to like that. I'm like, well, this is actually hated because it's really schlocky and violent and nude.
0: Nudy. I'm like, okay, this could be fun. This is really bad. Okay. I mean, I, Lord knows I have that. <laughs> not <laughs> so, hentai. Not hentai. <laughs> no, no, I don't have that. I, I, you know, I, Kyle, on occasion, this may be hard to believe, but on occasion I do have people in my home. And I am aware of the fact that they look at the things I have mm-hmm. in my home. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's certain things that I'm not gonna put on my shelf and proudly display. Yeah. Um doesn't mean I haven't seen those things. <laughs> 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 but I do not own them. But um no, I I have a couple of things in mind. Um I'm I'm trying to be mindful about the pacing though, because there's one that I I actually really do want you to see, but is it given like three your, hours long? It's it's two hours, oh. um, and given your issues with this one, the animation quality isn't better, the pacing isn't better. Mm. I just happen to like it a lot. Okay, I actually, like it. I like it more than I do this one, um, but I'm afraid to put it on the show because I feel like it's just going to drive you nuts and just be like, <laughs> "Why am I watching this?" <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, for, for whatever reason, I tend to be a little bit gun shy when it comes to actually picking things I like for the show. We kind of like skitter just around like we do like like adjacent films. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, I I got a lot of work to do, I guess, for picking for next week because I I don't want another Vampire Hunter D bloodlust. That's that's not fun for anybody. Although we did talk about sports, so maybe somebody got something out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that being said, um, we are in the midst of Anime August, so expect at least three more anime-related episodes this month. Um, And if you'd like to check out our other programming, our other Catching Up on Cinema podcasts, uh, we do have a website. It is uh, catchinguponcinema.com where you can find all of our content, uh, as well as a couple of social media accounts in the form of a Twitter at catching cinema, and an Instagram account at catching up on cinema. Uh, so yeah, feel free to hit me up at either of those counts uh, if you want to, you know, make suggestions or just, you know, tell me how bad I am at picking <laughs> movies. <laughs> that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.